0: I have received six concussive blows to the head. Uh, and we're ranking them this week. <laughs> we <rank laughs> Hellraiser six through 11. <laughs> Hellraiser Hellseeker. Hellraiser Denner. Hellraiser Hellworld. Hellraiser Revelations. Hellraiser Judgment. And this <laughs> is. And the two, 2022 reek will reboot whatever reimagining hellraiser oh shit <laughs> i uh i used to uh uh compete competitively in fighting did you and so yeah so i've had a couple of Concussions in my life, obviously, being punched in the face, being punched in the head, kicked in the head, knee in the what, head. Is that what you call marriage over there? <laughs> <laughs> that was a different fight I fought <laughs> and lost. Um, number, of, same no, number of concussions, and, though, right? Yeah, yeah, and like a kind of a mild concussion. You feel mostly normal, but you just kind of have like this. It's not You can't even really equate it to a headache. It is a feeling of... It's hard to describe. It's as if it's as if your whole brain is swollen because it probably is inside your skull. And it just kind of is a dull ache and you feel slightly nauseous. And um, I'm not doing this for comedy. I'm not doing this for a bit for a podcast. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or exaggerate in any way. Um, by the time I got to this point, Hellseeker, Seeker, yeah, 2002's Hellseeker. I already felt that way. I felt mm. like I had been concussed by the five films we'd already watched. Well, strap yourself in then, Jason. But <laughs> by the end of this, I felt physically ill. I'm not joking. I felt physically sick from watching 11 hellraiser films. And and the la- the back half, if you want to call it that, the last six, um uh, most of which are straight to video. All of them are straight to video because the remake was straight to stream. Hulu. Yep. Um, just, I felt personally, physically
1: assaulted by these movies. Well, to build off that, and hi, audience, you might remember me from last week's show, Hellraiser Part One. <coughs> oh,
0: sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't introduce you. Uh, <laughs> my guest today is Paul from the Countdown, who some people say I deify and worship and grovel at the feet of too much, and. T- For that, I say, Paul, we lift your name on high.
1: After a has been punched in the head so many times, well done. <coughs> yeah. Now, thank you for that uh, uh, wonderful <laughs> introduction. Thank you for those wonderful singing. Yeah. I, and I don't say that yeah. lightly yeah. because you know I am such a great singer. As everyone says, listen to me oh, sing. Yeah. will know.
2: Right. A- there you go. Bow.
1: There you go. <laughs> I was reflecting on my life choices during this week, Jason. In the last yeah. couple of weeks, and. Between this and the Slashers podcast, which if you're not listening to that, get on over there. It's coming to the end of its yeah, Paul short and I, um, mini series are, run.
0: Yeah, too busy. we are two really busy guys. So two years ago, I approached him and said, hey, man, we're at max capacity as far yep. as our ability to do things. Would you like to do a limited series where we chronicle every year of the slasher boom and watch bare minimum seven movies <laughs> per <laughs> year? Yeah, four and to, basically... Yep create a limited series catalog chronicling uh the year and so we've got slashers 80 81 82 81 81 part 2 82 82 part 2 83 yeah, and 84 uh, and 84 yeah it's and out i now, foolishly and said by- yes <laughs> yeah it's taken us years to get it done but it's out now on all of your favorite podcast platforms and we're joined by real film critic uh megan kearns amazing so i've been on this show a bunch of times megan's amazing Jason's amazing.
1: It's great fun, except for when worlds yeah. collide, Jason. And so at the yeah. time of this recording, which is obviously not at the arse end of October, mm. right before Correct. Halloween, right. Yep. is the same yep. week where I watched, let's just say, a number of films slashers. for the slashes. <laughs> yes. And... Yeah. Without giving Eleven away hell
0: raisers fourteen slashers, uh, yes.
1: Without giving too much away about the episode that we're going to record in in fairly short order, this was fucking hell on earth. I don't think <laughs> I've had a worse week watching films <laughs> in the history of my podcasting, which is now eight and some half years. It that's saying something fever dream levels of oh my god i didn't watch all these horrors this week i watched them over the last couple of weeks but i did watch a number of them while i was away for a weekend watching them in bed on yeah. my little ipad and half starting to fall asleep and then having these weird dreams having to rewind and watch the last 15 20 minutes again <laughs> and then not being able to discern what was reality and what wasn't Wait, started. wait
0: wait no wait let me stop let me stop you right there that you watch so many hellraisers that your mind became the plot of a hellraiser oh, pretty movie. much, pretty we, could much. Have, we could have taken what you just said there and made a straight to video hellraiser movie where a guy watches so many hellraiser <laughs> sequels he can no longer distinguish between <laughs> reality or if he's watching a movie and the big twist at the end is he actually has been in hell the whole time and that that's his personal hell and pinhead yeah. shows up for five seconds and spoilers yeah.
1: it wouldn't be any worse than about no. half of the entries that we are talking about this week. Holy More than
0: half. Holy shit. These movies are no good. And I <sighs> want to say something. This is gi- just basically giving away the whole episode. We have done, this is the fourth annual podcast in Spooktacular. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, we had, which is sort of the inception point for the Slashers podcast, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. But we've done, we started with the Halloween series. we, Did we start with Halloween? Then followed it up with Nightmare. A, now halloween okay i believe you Joy show So we followed up (laughs) (laughs) up with nightmare on elm street for the second year the third year we did friday Friday. 13th fourth year we're doing this fifth year will be decided over on patreon.com slash binge movies by assistant managers and elite patrons I'm pretty confident it's not going to be 11 fucking films long. So we're already winning, whatever it is. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that confident.
1: Um, it depends what f- on what the people vote for. What horror franchise can be longer than this? Or at least feel longer than this? Ghoulies. They'll get you in the end.
0: Mm. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are a few. Um, don't believe so. This, so far, this is the worst horror franchise we've ever talked about. This is... Hands down, definitively, these are the worst. This is the clunkiest, junkiest. Oh yeah,
1: this is the least enjoyable by a long, long
0: way. Yes, yeah. Bottom line, yeah. And the other thing, I I don't think there's eleven. I don't think there's eleven Leprechaun movies. If I had to guess, Leprechaun is worse than Hellraiser. If I had to guess,
2: come from the land of the Irish spring the place where i learned my thing from the emerald isle to your place in the hood i the man of green come
1: to do no good
0: left in the hood come to do no good left in the hood come to do no good there's some bad Candyman movies but there's not it's like, like four of them. of them so yeah they're not they're not essentially just the same movie over and over and over and over go. <laughs> The weirdest thing compared to all the other franchises that we've talked about and all the slashers that we've watched that would spawn franchises for our other show is not the same thing over and over and over again in the sense of somebody finds a puzzle box and they open it and their desire opens it and the centibytes come out. That's No, that's what you think a repetitive (laughs) Hellraiser franchise would be. That's what you wish. Somehow what it becomes is there are no fucking Centibytes, and it's just people living in limbo or a bad dream or they're already in hell or they're in a fucking coma or they're they're on their hallucinogenics. It's all in their mind. It's all in their mind. What's real and what's not real. And then the very tail end, some kind of centibite or some kind of whatever creepy crawly thing happened. And it's like, they're not even, it's like, I I don't know how to describe it. They're not even repetitive. (laughs) Like every Friday the 13th, somebody goes and fucks in the woods, Jason kills him and and then goes on a rampage. Yep. It's every Friday the 13th. Doesn't matter if a psychic raises him from the grave, it doesn't matter worm. if he's struck by a bolt of lightning, doesn't matter if he's a worm, mm-hmm. at some point he's slaughtering people, okay? It's always about Jason. Freddy, the same thing. Doesn't matter what kids die and come or don't come back, which kids do come back, who has powers, who has a baby, Who gets an abortion? Who doesn't get an abortion? It doesn't matter. Freddy Krueger and his nun mother show up in a movie. They find some bullshit reason to bring him back from the dead, and he does his deal. Same thing with Halloween. They find some bullshit reason that Michael Myers isn't actually dead, and he goes to Haddonfield and kills a bunch of teenagers on Halloween. Which is one of the reasons why Halloween ends suck so much, because they kind of went away from Michael.
1: You'd think they'd watch this fucking series of films and realize, don't do that. Don't go away from your central monsters, creatures,
0: pinhead. It's by the so third stupid. film they have decided that Julia is not the main antagonist. Pinhead is. Yeah, well and done. I've selected that as the single best Hellraiser yep. film thus far. Put it on <laughs> to our <laughs> put it on to our guest list to be debated at the end of the season in the last movie standing fallout. When do you make this point? Can I jump in to say something <clears throat> after you do? By the fourth movie, Pinhead is no longer in the movies. Really. (sighs) He's a sideline character again. And the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth have fuck all to do with Pinhead. Mm -hmm. They've determined Pinhead is going to be the face of the franchise. The very next movie, he's not in it hardly at all. That is such a strange decision. It makes no sense at all. and It screams ineptitude across
1: every level. What it screams is Dimension Films, the Weinsteins, had their fingers in this Hellraiser pie, and they refused to let it go. And every few years, someone in that company panicked and said, fuck, we're going to lose the rights unless we make some shitty straight-to-video piece of shit. In one case, we'll get to it, within six weeks of making the decision to make the film, they shot the film. And as a result, this is exactly what you would expect when you have six weeks of prep time. It's a piece of shit that's the only person who seems to know what they're doing is we just have to keep the rice disfranchised and so every year three to four years like clockwork they roll out one of these pieces of shit
0: now do you think there was a one single person in dimension films who had on their calendar yes like their ICal. someone had an alert that was like you're about to lose the hellraiser rights and they were like hey we gotta go into production right now yep get into production Get that fat guy in that pinhead suit. That's not Doug Brown. <laughs> I don't care. Get that janitor in that pinhead makeup. Let's start shooting it right now. But he doesn't speak English. <laughs> that's that's, that's be, all right. We'll
1: dub over him.
0: It's all right. It's going to be at your local family video and Blockbuster or whatever with it, you know, in, in fucking July. We shoot it in April. We dump it in on DVD in July. And boop, we got, we've got we maintained the rights. Yeah. The point I wanted to make just before we get off it Could is- Did you imagine, though, being <laughs> Clive Barker and watching that happen to your- this thing that you've created like the, the inception of this franchise is I've written some stories and they've been adapted very poorly so I'm going to write my own story with the purpose of being able to sell it so I can direct it and I believe the first Hellraiser is the best uh, of all of these and uh spoilers and um and then immediately and it's successful it makes them it makes it turns a profit. Mm-hmm. It's very evocative. It stands out. It's very different from all the other fare at the time. The Freddy's, the Jason's, the Michael's, the whoever else's. And by the second movie, they're like, well, we'll take some of your ideas, but we're going to go in a different direction, make it more marketable. And then by the third movie, it's like, well, we're really going to make a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Thanks, Clive. You get get to present it. By the fourth film, it's like he has fuck all to do with any of it. And he had to watch year after year after year, them pump these movies out. Sometimes twice <laughs> the same one, year. Yeah, one that's bizarre. We'll get to that too. And he has to publicly disavow them again and again. Be like, I don't have anything to do with this. Don't watch these movies. And then it's just—it's insane. It's insane. Poor Clive Barker is crying somewhere in some underground, dingy S and M fisting <laughs> club in the UK, with getting a metal rod shoved up his urethra, like, like Paul could explain. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> ding. That's the you know the sound of that gong you asked if that was diegetic or yes. non-diegetic. It's not I don't know if it's diegetic or non-diegetic but it is sounding. That gong <laughs> is the sound of a metal rod going up uh, a box An 8 millimeter metal rod shoved up the head of a dick and <laughs> being dinged from the outside. <laughs> it
1: scares me that you know exactly how many millimeters they are. Okay. That's a
0: thick boy, buddy. His, it's here's my earrings you my expand.
1: Complaint beyond the fever dream, the, the horrors of the last 10 or 14 days of my life. The horror. <laughs> I come on once a year to do this spooktacular, and sometimes I get invited a couple of seasons before and get to talk about something else. And then you torture me with a whole bunch of other shit films. And I was reflecting the other day how come nothing I've ever chosen has gotten into the vault? I think I've worked it out. Because I keep doing these pieces of shit. You know, give me a chance. Give me a give me a series of good films, Jason. Let me argue something good so I can get that in there and then I'd have a, a slight chance that what I choose could maybe, maybe make into the vault on the back of one of your so talented jury not what do you call them? Um debaters.
0: Debaters, challengers, yeah, champions, challengers. Um I hear you. Um I I take that to heart. And give uh um, give me Lady Wan or D.W.
1: Lundberg to do the uh, arguing for my side. Thank you very much.
0: I think Lady Wan's uh, jersey's been hung in the rafters out here at Binge Movies World Headquarters, so he's retired from the the oh, she's not coming debate. back. Wow. Uh, I how you feel about Francois Truffaut? No, that's not that's not me. That's not good films. You said you wanted a good. You said you wanted good <laughs> movies.
1: Oh, no, they're not good movies. I've seen. The 800 Blows or whatever the fuck that movie was called. 400 Blows. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like you need to review that for binge movies. (laughs) Stay tuned, folks. All right. Let's get into it it with 2002's Hellraiser Hellseeker. Uh, Hellraiser Hellseeker currently has a 0% on (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. Too high. (laughs) Hellraiser Hellseeker was directed by Rick Boda. It was written by Carl V. Dupree, which sounds like the fakest name ever, right? (laughs) Carl V. Dupree. And Tim Day is a triumph return of Dean Winters, last seen in John Wick. This film was released October 15th, 2002 by Buena Vista Home Entertainment. You're welcome. <laughs> On a budget of not available, it may not available. A car crash survivor suffering from amnesia searches for his lost wife, Kirsty Cotton, only to find her old friends instead.
1: The vulture climbs his own Jacob's Ladder and we all have to suffer for it which you have to be
0: a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan
1: to understand that reference. But yeah, there we go.
0: Post-Matrix, Green Glow, uh, color correction, color grading. This movie is so boring. It's so cheap. so repetitive. Movies like this make me beg for the twist to be revealed so the movie can end, even though I already know what the twist is going to be. Movies that are horror movies, but are actually all in the mind, all in limbo, or you've been in hell the whole time. It's not scary, and nor is it interesting, because I'm not Dean Winters. You understand what I'm saying? I am not the lead character. So I don't care that he's having nightmares, because I'm not having nightmares. Nightmares are scary when I have them. Yes. They're not scary when I'm watching somebody else have them. Somebody else being in limbo has fuck all to do with me, because I'm not in purgatory. I'm not in limbo. I'm in the physical plane. I'm in this world. So I don't give a shit. I don't care about what's happening. For me to be scared or to be titillated or thrilled or haunted or grossed out by something that's happening on the screen, I have to have a way of the movie has to get me or the story or whatever has got to get me to identify with its central figure, its protagonist, for lack of a better term. And I, I... the next six of these fucking movies are going to follow the exact same path, oh which is I do not relate to any of these people and their delusions and their nightmares and their phobias and their fears because I'm not a. This whole franchise is now turned at this point. This is the moment on a dime where it's like they've all become monkey paw, monkey's paw movies where the absolute worst human being you have ever met in your life. Somebody who is a drug addict and a rapist and a murderer and a bigot and a neo-Nazi or whatever is the main character. And we follow them around through gross fucking sewers and filth and shitty motels. And at the end, the whole twist is all of these surreal things that have been happening around you are because you're in hell. I, what am I, what what does it have to do with me? How is that scary to me? I'm just sitting here watching s- somebody else's really bad, really horrendously digitally rendered surreal nightmares. I don't care. I don't care. You're 100% right. And I
1: think everyone's probably had the experience in their life where someone who's not a child, that's so one thing if you your, your kid wakes up and says, oh, I had a bad dream and tells you all about it, you know, because they're yeah. they're processing. Yeah. Yep. But anyone who's an adult who tries to tell you about their dream is a fucking moron because <laughs> nobody <laughs> in their right mind gives two shits. Their eyes yes, instantly right. glaze over and they tune out. So yeah. why? Why on earth does anybody think, as you say, because this is – not a likable character, and I was initially. This is the last time I did this for these. I was really making notes like, "Oh, that doesn't make sense. Why doesn't that make sense?" And at some point, I'm like, "Well, of course it make, doesn't make sense because this is none of this is real. It can't be real. He's flashing around. He's either dead, or he's in some fever dream. He's he's unconscious or, or is whatever. In a coma. Yeah, or is it's in hell. it's one of those things. Yeah, and I just right. stopped. It's brain injury. Giving whatever. a fuck. He's bouncing. Every woman is throwing themselves at him mercilessly, and then they alien threed. Ashley Lawrence in the first three minutes of this film, they killed her off and Correct. poor Kirsty Cotton's. And I'm like, what the what
0: the what is this
1: franchise doing? What you know what made Kirsty
0: Cotton so interesting and what made her predicament in the first film actually menacing and scary? It's because the movie, very subtly and within the imagery as we discussed last time, conveys to us as the audience on a subconscious level that Kirsty is an innocent. Mm-hmm. She is just caught in the fray between she, she is a young person uh, caught in the ultimate family drama, right? You know what it's like. Okay, when you're a, a young person, you're a teenager, maybe in your early 20s, and definitely younger than that, you have an awareness of the adult w- world around you, but you, it isn't until you get really older that you realize like, oh, well, aunt so-and-so never liked your dad because they had a falling out yeah. before you were born and da da, da. like-, like the, the dirty secrets, the dirty laundry of the family, the skeletons in the closet, you're not aware of that. The generation typically above you keeps you hidden from a lot of it. So you, you pick up on the tensions, but you don't know the history. That's kind of worked into that story on a metaphorical level where, oh, well, there's this history between Frank and her stepmom and there's problems in the parents, the stepmom and her dad's marriage and what happened to her mom and And she's sort of at the fringes of all of it. And when she's thrust into the middle, the skeleton in the closet is literally her incestuous uncle who's trying to rape and molest her, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of family trauma and drama in that. Even if you haven't experienced that level of dysfunction, you have experienced some degree of family dysfunction, so you can relate to it. And she's an innocent who just so happens to open the wrong fucking box by accident and all hell breaks loose in her life. That's scary. That if you just out of curiosity or out of out of you, just some accident, you end up opening a literal Pandora's box that tears your family apart. All of that is literal and metaphorical, and there's text and subtext. There's no text or subtext to here. It's just <laughs> whoa. It's we're falling around. What's Pinhead has been reduced to being an adjudicator for the most wicked people who've ever lived. And that's extremely mundane. I don't need pinhead to be god almighty who sits on the th- throne of judgment and determines how severe your hell is going to be. I can't relate to that. I can relate to somebody who stumbles into something that causes calamity, you know, and or that fear of if I if I stumble in the wrong place, my family could be destroyed, you know, if I if I discover the wrong secret, if I learn the wrong thing, if I say the wrong thing, my family could be torn apart. That's, on a subconscious level, something everybody can relate to. I can't relate to anything that happens in any of these movies at all, at all. Yeah. The- and if, if the 2000s especially were so guilty of this, Paul, and I'll kick it back to you. How many of these fucking movies, not just Hellraiser, but so many movies from this era, era, they they, they have some kind of horrific thing that happens, and the next thing you know, the person oh sits up in bed and wakes up and it was all a nightmare and then oh another scary thing happens and that was really the nightmare and it's just like but so then none of that happened when i was so some of the horrific so yeah some of the horrific things that are happening are happening because this guy's in fucking limbo but he's having dreams in limbo and his dreams aren't real in limbo like what are we like at some point the reality of the internal logic as you like Thank to you. say i know i'm being negatron absolutely shatters into a million pieces. There has to be a foundational layer to your movie that this is real. Even if it's just movie reality, this is what's real. If nothing's real, nothing matters. The easiest thing in the world to do is
1: discombobulate an audience when you don't give a fuck about anything making sense. You can
0: cut right. from That's it. one That's thing it. to
1: another in the middle of a scene, in the middle of a line of dialogue. You can have them sit up in bed. You can do that extra scare thing. And then, oh, no, hang on. It was all drip. No, I think everybody thinks it's all right there. And then they go to work and as if everything's normal. And then the woman down the hallway saunters in in a really tight top and really, really short shorts and throws herself at you and says, tie me up. and and then next thing you know, she's on, you know, he's on top of her and now, boy, now she's dead. But no, she's not. Now you go back down the corridor. And he
0: passes out and he wakes yeah. up, but now she's dead.
1: And then, oh and then she's not because he saw her down the corridor with her big, huge, you know, powerfully built boyfriend who's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here, pal. And like, that's easy to be discombobulating because none of it makes a lick of sense. And times that by about five different people in this film. Yep. And at some point in proceedings, towards the very end of the film when things finally start to reveal themselves because my note here is, oh, no, this is all in his head fucking movie very early on. So, when I said I wrote a lot of notes, it was only for the first 20 minutes. At the end of this 88 or 89-minute film in the last five minutes or so where it's all laid out and Pinhead finally shows up as anything more than a quick snap of whatever and Doug Bradley gets to do a little bit of his, you know, iconic kind of work. Oh, you know – no, 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 you were murdered by, Kirst- and it all turns out to be Kirsty killed all these people. So this innocence you talked about, and this is the last time we see her, right? In this
0: series? Yep, this is her last appearance. So, Actually Lawrence's last appearance. Ash- she completely assassinates her character. Yes, completely destroyed. what well, I going to say. Kirsty Cotton. So we've gone yep. from,
1: and you might make an argument if you love this franchise so, so much, and I do not know how anyone could love the entire franchise, but oh, well, that's the perfect end for her, because she's been corrupted by everything she's seen. She's been so traumatized. She's so to speak, turned to the dark side.
0: And hit, and and the argument would be what Dean Winters, the, her husband, does to her through Tips infidelity her and plotting, plotting her murder. And, plot, her right. over the edge. Yeah. and so She does what and she has bring, to do. And, 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 and he brings her the box back. She finally reveals her secret to him. The reason why she's a little different is because she had this horrific... And he goes and somehow magically finds the lament configuration. And then is able to get it back to her hands, and she's like, "Okay, you really want this?" And then, yeah, whatever. Bam, like, okay, opens so it, so
1: and so then, so then it proceeds to. I'm never, not quite you know sure whether she, she did murder all the all the other women he was sleeping with, presumably yes. because yep. yeah, we flashed to that. She gave him
0: five souls in exchange for her own.
1: And you'd think, given the way that Pinhead gets really pissed off about the fact that all these deals keep being made in earlier films, that he wouldn't have done this again. But anyway, because he's been Correct. chased, but Correct. he did it anyway because that's the film. Because otherwise, this doesn't exist, and the she just first gets killed. Movie,
0: he's like. He's like, mate, like, no deals. You open the box, we Sweet come for King. you. And she's like, yeah, but he, yeah. And then he's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll strike a deal with you. And then, they, and then they don't. Yeah, they break the deal they in the get first one. Frank back, and then they, they go after her. Yeah, and then it's like now, thirty years later, he's like, ah, all right, all right, Kirsty, give it another sure. bash. We're, I'm on team Kirsty. Yeah, none of your husband be was him. an adulterer, and yeah, wanted to commit insurance fraud or whatever. It's just so, oh my god, that. That where it really jumps, sh- I mean, it jumps the shark all the way through. But where it really, really gets me is at the end. The cop now, okay, how do oh, fuck? I, I don't want to break this one down too much. <laughs> no, no, I think we don't need that. Some about it of the pe- some of the people in Dean Winner's limbo. I think what we're supposed to believe is that this is all happening sort of in the dying synapses of his brain, and so he's still partially, even though they're drat, he's got a bullet through the head. And they've dragged him out of a car that has gone into a fucking river. And he's on a gurney getting put into a body bag. That the re- part of the reason why reality is so fragmented is because his literal brain is fragmented. Because he's a bullet has gone through it. But the cop who's investigating the traffic accident is in his brain in his limbo state as well as one of the emts or the coroner or coroner's assistant or whatever medical examiner's assistant so all of these figures who end up showing up in the end like the fucking wizard of oz and you were there and you were there and you were there are all in his head except for none of this was in kirsty's head this was all in his head and most of his head has a fucking hole in it right so i don't understand how he Knows people he has never met, and they're in his limbo state with him. <laughs> he hasn't met them. He's dead by the time they show up. And then the cop is like, "Oh well, well, we're just gonna go ahead and let you go home because it's pretty clear here he killed himself, and we pulled the car out of the water, and yeah, he really killed himself." And yeah, the- like she, like they don't have questions for her. They don't send her nah. to the hospital. Nah. They don't. They, she is also almost drowned. In, a, in the river Jason if you they wrap her in a blanket they give her the lament configuration back he's like well go ahead and take nah, it your what's this guy. this is crap and they, send her the fuck home. and they send her the fuck home and send her the fuck home here's my Nobody question ask any questions well here's my question Jason if you
1: were in the process of murdering your adulterous partner who was about to try and kill you would you choose yeah. the time that they are driving a car at speed across a big bridge to pull the trigger I think sh-
0: She's doing that because that will make her look innocent.
1: <sighs> she should have died, let's be honest. But, second of all, yes,
0: yes, like I'm
1: pretty sure that modern, anyway, look, I'm thinking about it too much, but gun to the side of his face, boom, blows off his face in the only half decent kill. I guess it is the only kill in the entire yes. film. So, yes, that's hey, the best death, right? Nothing else is real. Yeah, I just, it was so lame and so poor. Well, I couldn't believe it. Here's
0: where it really gets me. The the cop goes, well, we know it's a suicide What? because the gun we found the gun. We retrieved from the river is the same gun that was used in all the other killings. That makes perfect sense. They, (laughs) as he's saying that they're literally pulling the car, hoisting it out of the river behind him, which means nothing's been tested. None of the ballistic, no forensic work has been done. The ballistic work hasn't been done. It's, it's not f- five weeks after they pulled nope. the car out of the river it's as they're pulling the car out of out the river he's like well you're exonerated because clearly he killed himself because it's the same gun he killed these other people with what the
1: fuck except my memory is most of those other
0: people weren't killed by a gun but anyway no they were strangled suffocated tortured what the fuck but we only really saw like most of their murders partially through the limbo memory True. i don't know i none of this makes any sense no, let's stop uh, talking it's a 1. 1. It. 1.5 out of 10 ah. so 1.5 out of 10 it is number four for the week distinct
1: Ooh, we disagree somewhere then i also have it as a 1.5 out of 10 but i have it as my fifth worst of the week so i like one of these ones better than you did
0: what is t- no because we got six of them yeah so oh no yeah you're yeah, right yep. yes you're right you're right you're right yeah uh, what is terrifying is that the Cenobites are nearly be- beyond human comprehension, right? But that our innate curiosity could lead us to yes. them. It's cosmic horror, right? This is a bad episode of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> it's not even that good. The worst Tales of the Crypt
1: episode is better than this.
0: Oh, God. That's <sighs> what I'm saying. It's a bad episode of Tales from the Crypt. Correct. It's, it's so reduced the Cenobites, and really, there's no Cenobites anymore for the most part. It's just fucking Pinhead. It's reduced the idea of that cosmic horror to, it's just literal hell and he's just God's Punisher? They just, I saw, We're not um, he even sure
1: it is literal hell, whether it is like just the synapses in his brain. But anyway, yes.
0: Oh, that's yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, well, this is the perfect title for this fucking franchise. <laughs> it's Hellraiser deader, because there's nothing, nothing could be deader than this fucking franchise. <laughs> it came out in 2005. Curly is a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Somehow. Don't open the box
2: Don't. No. Please. Probing into the mystery of the undying. Ah! There's no difference
0: between being dead
2: and alive. Opens up the fiendish portal to the netherworld. Your soul is mine alone. Is this resurrection or living in hell? You're helping only if you become a debtor, Hellraiser 7, deader.
0: Primitive this September. one was also directed by Rick Boda, is written also by Tim Day, oh. but this time with Neil Marshall Stevens. It's the triumph return of Carrie Wurr and Eight-Legged Freaks, giving probably your all-time worst performance. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, this film was released June 7th, 2005, on a budget of not available at me, not available. <laughs> A gonzo reporter is sent to the land of cheapo horror movies to discover the secrets of the latest Euro trash fad, dying. The stupidest
1: cult in the history of cults gets what's coming to them as Pinhead is relegated to being a bench player in his own series.
0: Bob Weinstein directed the writers of this movie to rewrite Detter, which was, uh, was, a, was a movie that was just going to be Neil Marshall Stevens, I think. Yeah. Right? It was just going to be called Debtor. So it wasn't even going to be a, a Hellraiser and- film. Correct. And Bob Weinstein was like, we're going to lose the fucking rights. There we go. <laughs> so, it's him. I want you to rewrite Detter into a Hellraiser sequel, but I want you to also rewrite it so it feels more like a Japanese horror movie, like The Ring or Pulse, which is, we talked about this before many moons ago, Paul, in your first appearance. This was when America, we were we, early remaking 2000s, we were Japanese remaking horror were yeah, all the Japanese and Korean horror movies. So the film was originally rewritten to take place in London and later the, the east side of Manhattan before the producers opted to film it simultaneously with the next Hellraiser sequel, Hell World, in Romania. So they just changed it to Romania. I'm telling you now, if you're watching a horror movie, especially if it's straight to video, and it was filmed anywhere, anywhere in a Balkan state, that movie sucks. <laughs> if a horror movie is filmed in fucking Romania, it's dog shit. It is the land of cheap ass horror movies. Ooey Bowl. Acting is going to be t- the, <laughs> the woman at the end of this movie, who is Carrie Werr's replacement, the next reporter in line, oh. very clearly does not speak English. <laughs> and that's what you end up with. You end up with a you know, oh well, we actually had a real problem during the production of the uh, hell world and uh, debtor because none of the production crew spoke English but the director and an actor spoke English that's what you're talking about you're just yes. going to the cheapest yep. place on earth you might as well send your crew to Chernobyl and go film a fucking movie <laughs> because you, you know very few people are going to watch it very few people you, you, you might be able to trick some folks at the video store in this era of picking up, like, oh, there's another Hellraiser. Oh, I must have missed that. And they go and they take it home, and you just pump out 90 minutes of the dumbest Dreck. fucking shit you can of drick in the cheapest place on earth you could possibly film it with actors who have no one has ever fucking heard of. You get one semi semi recognizable face, and if Carrie were is the best, you is can get. the most recognizable face yeah. to sell this box to fucking rubes and marks the video store you are in the shit brother you are in the shit the best thing this movie has going for it if you ever want to see carrie Ware's tits that's what's in this movie Uh, and i'm not even sure they're really her tits because i think it's a prosthetic chest yeah Uh, that's it that's the best thing you got i think this is the only nude scene i remember her ever doing this it's in this fucking trash movie this we reincorporate la marchand and the heir of La Marchand is the leader of a fucking cult who is somehow semi-accessing the Cenobite world enough to come back with the power to raise the dead. Yeah, don't get... It's basically Flatliners. <laughs> it is. Didn't think about that. <laughs> Hellraiser. I, I don't understand it. What's the goal? What's the goal of this cult? Uh, well, I can't. he says something at some
1: point, but... I kind of it got glossed all over for me in, in amongst the madness of this infuriating kind of. She says, "No, no, no." The whole point is they have to agree to it. They get pressured into it because it's a cult, but they have to agree to it. Yeah, he, just, he just goes ahead, presumably, and kills her. Seems
0: well, yeah, like. that's the big twist. the bi- The big twist is there's a mo- moment where there's a fake out where we think that she's been killed to experience this ritual, but then we're unclear if she was. But then the twist is she actually was, and. Three quarters of this movie, she's been dead the whole time. Oh, she's been experiencing. You have to go, you have to be physically murdered to go somewhere between earth and hell. Your childhood your, your childhood trauma and heaven and hell <laughs> all converge. It's flatliners. You go into your childhood trauma and then somehow you get immortality out of that, but you're actually dead. But the people who are dead aren't really dead because they're dead, but they're alive oh in God. limbo but when she comes back some of them who were alive in limbo or alive for real but some of them are like it's it's just a mess
1: it's and then a fucking mess. pinhead follows them back and of course kills this stupid cult with two waves of his hand and one big hook with the chain trailing behind it and he's
0: like i'm lamar sean i summon the power you don't control me i control you and pinhead's like no. You are just the heir of a toy maker. You don't meddle with powers beyond your understanding. This rips them apart. Yeah, with that
1: one, I mean, they killed basically eight people in two shots, and that's about as good as this whole film gets. It is unbelievably bad. Jason's not doing it justice when he describes how horrendous this film is. There's nothing to it. Like, the last film was terrible, horrendously terrible. This is even fucking worse because it's- This is horrible. It hasn't even got Ashley Lawrence in there. It hasn't even got Kirsty Cotton and sort of flashing no. back and like, well, it's all I got to do more with her. She can't really be well, dead right. Say whatever
0: start. you want. Say, say whatever you want about Ashley Lawrence, but uh, she's, her performance is okay for what she's given. And yeah. Dean Winters is an actor. He's an actual actor. Yes. The people in this, this movie, they're not actors. No. So they're barely human beings. The production design speak. so – barely speak
1: fucking English. This week, as you say, because we're, we're shooting in Romania yeah. on the cheapest possible budget we can, and Rick Boda is clearly a hack director who probably work, washes, I don't know, the Weinstein's bathroom in his spare time because, yeah, you can just do it. Who cares? Just keep us the rights. It looks terrible. Correct. It's cut terribly together. It is again that fever dream mismatch of bouncing around things. You don't really know what's going on. Like, hallucinations
0: you say, are the oh, bastard God. cousin of it was all a dream. And then You know what it feels like a giant waste of time when you I get to an end of a movie and they go, It was like you said in the yes. last episode, it was all a dream except for the muddy feet, you know. Um, this is this is not, it's all a dream. It's all a hallucination. You know, it's like, oh, who cares? Who cares? Good, okay, I don't care story. about somebody else's hallucinations. I don't care. I'm not having them. Yeah. I don't care. I don't I'm care. not dumb enough
1: to go and investigate a dead occult. And the editor on this thing as well, the guy who sends him on her way. He starts, doesn't give a fuck. Like, you just sent one of your employees to the death. And the implication is you kind of had a thing for her, which, by the way, you had no chance because it's Carrie Ware and you look like you. But anyway.
0: I, yeah, right. Oh. But that's. But that's the. You see, that's what I mean. They populate this, these movies with, there's not a character you can root for because the way we're introduced with Carrie were is she's in some London flop house with right. severely, severely, severely addicted, addicted. Yep. heroin addicts and crack addicts and drug addicts who have open sores and who are laying in their own filth and have to shoot up just to feel normal. And she's pretending to be one of them. And then come to find out she was actually in there just to record the audio of their moaning and their groaning and their suffering. And they're like, Hey, we, 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 we finally went out and stole enough stuff to get more drugs to shoot everybody up so that we can just kind of not die, not go through withdrawals. Do you want us to shoot you up? And she's like, no, thanks. I'm good. I got what I came for. (laughs) I'm good. And then it's like, Oh, so you just embedded yourself with these desperately ill people. Yeah these desperately you don't care Ill people who need serious care and medical help just to fucking record the their, their suffering uh, just the the noises of their suffering how and uh, here's the other thing paul how's that a story she's like i got the big scoop when she goes to her editor it's like how's that a big scoop you have a tape of people laying in their own shit and piss and vomit on dirty mattresses going oh because they're desperate for drugs because they're dying yep that's not a story that's, that's snuff. Human misery. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, see, you're supposed to want to see her get it. Are we? And the editor, you're supposed to. I didn't do a good enough job of that. Well, I think that's the tone of all of these movies. You're supposed to want to see all of these people get it because they're all bastards. They're all I didn't give, just, I didn't give a fuck. they are all like every, every character. They, like they missed the point. They, from this point forward, every lead character is basically Frank. Frank is the fucking villain. Mm -hmm. He's not, I'm not, I'm not sympathetic towards Frank's plight. I'm grossed out and terrified by him. I don't want to watch 90 minutes of Frank trying to escape hell. There's one, it's all these movies are. There's
1: one exception, um, which we'll get to in just a moment, but you're right. They, they absolutely do continue to put pieces of shit people in it. Rather than like you said, they lost the mission statement. I don't know. Somewhere when Clive Barker wrote the original film, it was, Innocent person gets caught up in hell.
0: For, Cosmic horror. Yeah, for yes. want of a better yes.
1: description. And they yeah. mess with that.
0: Uh, it continues at the second one. The third one, we still get. HP Lovecraft teleports into your bedroom and you're fucked. What are you going to do? That's the horror.
1: And. In the third one, they they kept with a good character at the heart of it. As much as you don't like that film, at least they continue with that very simple premise. Like she's still a likable person. You're meant, You're meant to like. her.
0: I will agree with you there. Yes, right.
1: And likewise, the fourth one as well, when you know the guy who, at least at the end, is trying to bring an end to it. He's a he's a decent enough. The, bloke.
0: the wraparound yes. guy, the Mert, the Doctor Merchant is a yeah. He's a good and rapper, the
1: contemporary yes. guy who built the building. He's not a bad guy either, and, and probably the toy maker as well. Originally, he's not. He didn't do it for the wrong nefarious reasons. Yeah, very true. So very true. Right. then after that, it's just been all downhill. Every protagonist has been a piece of shit and this is the worst of them all, both in terms of the protagonist, in terms of the acting, in terms of production design, in terms of the complete lack of horror in terms of the shit, shit special effects. And this was a putrid moment in my film-watching existence. And I cannot believe I managed to sit through the whole thing. That's how much I love you, Jason, and this show. But dear God, no one... <laughs> No one should put themselves through this. Just read the two-paragraph synopsis and move on with your life and be very, very happy that you did
0: so. How many times in this movie, Paul, does the main character stand there as they're given some vague speech by a ghoul, a ghost, a demon, a cult leader, an editor, or pinhead? The main character just just stands there. And I think <laughs> at this point I realized, can we just say, At this point in 2005, Hellraiser is a one, maybe two movie idea at best. Mm -hmm. This is not an ongoing series. It is a one mind bending, disgusting, subconsciously horrific story. It is a ghastly tale from another dimension. It is certainly not a series about re- a revolving cast of D list actors facing psychological horrors under heavy color ra- grading with fucking just bleeps and bloops of pinhead dashed in. That's what this is. That's what it is. Yep. I just can't stand it. Yep. I can't, I cannot believe it. I, I could go the rest of my life without watching another horror movie where the the lead is having had a traumatic childhood and that's all being realized metaphorically <laughs> yes, to the boogeyman yes. they're currently facing. I'm so fucking sick of it. Yes. And it's not just Hellraiser that does that. It's a lot that's of the whole new trope of all all of our horror now. All you know, it's like, well, what if it's scream but it's really about trauma? I don't God ah, fuck your trauma. That's that isn't it's it's what it's become is become um It's a crutch. A crutch. Crotch? Crutch. Crotch. lean on. It, Yes, it's the equivalent of the cup on the edge is a Vietnam veteran, <laughs> right? The guy who's just, you know, one screw loose, he's a Vietnam veteran. The slasher who's going to come and kill you because you're a woman is a Vietnam veteran, right? The, like, Vietnam veteran just became shorthand in Hollywood for whether it's a good guy, bad guy, whatever. It's somebody who's fucked in the head and yep. is going to do something crazy, right? And sure there are great examples of it you know first blood that's played for dramatic effect and lethal weapon and lethal the first lethal weapon that's played for dramatic effect and then eventually becomes comedy which is sort of really fucking weird but for every lethal weapon and every rambo there's a million deadly Prey's, there's a million fucking <laughs> schizoids and whatever else hell dead is. yeah and, and this is this is the horror movie equivalent of the vietnam veteran person has trauma we all have fucking trauma. Go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make somebody a well-rounded character. Being bisexual doesn't make you a well-rounded character. (laughs) Being traumatized doesn't make you a well-rounded character. Doing drugs doesn't make you a well-rounded character. Having group sex doesn't make you a well-rounded character. Fucking the hbo HBO HBOification of fucking screenwriting is driven me to the point of madness. And we see it to this day. We've had 20 years of, and it started with fucking Hellraiser three. And and that's a combination of both of them. My dad was the Vietnam veteran or whatever. And he died over there. It's like, Oh, I don't care. This is cosmic horror. This is, This is the priest of a hell dimension where everything's topsy-turvy and pain is pleasure and torture is ultimate spiritual enlightenment has come to your fucking bedroom. That's it. That's the story. That's what we want to say. Try to survive, Mm -hmm. bitch. And now here we are where it's, oh, well, her, maybe her dad. And I don't give a fuck about Carrie Worrer's life. Oh, but you see the wound in her chest is a metaphor for her, traumatized, her childhood. And, and, then, and then here's the thing. Her dad abused her and it was, there was incest. And yeah. it's like to take something so heavy as parental sexual abuse of a child. And use it for a cheapo, director video seventh fucking entry in a garbage horror franchise is offensive. Agreed. Agreed, and, and that's it's fucking offensive. And that's why we're meant to be
1: okay with her doing what she did at the start of the film. That's why it's all about just getting the job done. She doesn't really relate to humans and all the rest of that. She just exploits she people. Was
0: raped by her father as a ch- as a four year old. That we have to sit there and watch glimpses of. Yeah, it's awful. It's disgusting. It's awful. And not to say oh, I'm not saying those you, things don't happen you, you and can whatever. Write, but it doesn't belong in yeah, something you, like you this. Can write, that's correct. You can write heavy stuff. You can. There's a way to tastefully do that and deal with the trauma. I might. I might say I don't. But that's not what this is. This is cheapo. How do how do we write a character? We don't know. Give them a traumatic backstory. Now they're a person. That's that's not how it works. You said it.
1: It's Hollywood shorthand. Hollywood's the wrong word. It's fucking yeah. Correct. C grade studio shorthand because. Hollywood yes. would not I don't believe just throw this in there at this particular level they would it would be a different type of film entirely and are we trying to be what's
0: well, to say to say Shh. it's it's done it could be less distastefully but we see the same thing Paul when we did Night- the Nightmare series where Freddy's dead all of a sudden we go into the one girl who's never been a character in the entire movie's nightmare at the very end and turn out her dad was raping her the whole time that's her trauma it's like what the there fuck yep like it's just like you know rape as a the memory of rape the memory of your dad raping you is like it just it doesn't belong in this sort of junk because okay at the very least if so we've been bashing this shit for 40 minutes if somebody's like these movies go. are like cheap thrills right these movies are just cheap thrills and i'm just watching them because i know they're no good but i just like Okay, I understand cheap thrills. That sort of level of real trauma and violence does not belong in movies that are for cheap thrills. You right, we have been If you want to say at this at at this point this is just junk fast food movies meant to give you some a bit of blood, a bit of gore, a bit of cockroaches, you know, whatever. And that's all it is. Okay, fine. It's just gore and schlock and whatever. Then don't try to incorporate heavy themes of Really fucked up shit. Just leave it alone. All I want to see. and I think I speak for any
1: horror film fan and, and any what I you know, at least the first three films consider myself a fan of this franchise. All Hellraiser fans want to see is inventive Pinhead leading an inventive group of cenobites who are, as you say, lobbing into someone's life and then tearing, literally, people from their life one at a time and killing them and torturing them in horrific ways. That's what you come to. You don't come for this bargain basement, garbage level, psychological invested trauma that, Oh, this poor, poor woman, look what she's had to go through. Now she's going through this. Oh, we feel bad for her. Do we? No. Okay.
0: So let's take a second here. You deal with this sort of stuff or have dealt with this sort of stuff in your profession, sure. in your, your day job, yep. right? Yep. Is it, a, you've talked about before when we uh, actually the very first uh, part of this part one of this, we're like the Dr. Chouinard, the oh, Dr. Chinar, and You're like, yeah, the depiction of mental health professionals in American movies is offensive to you. Yes. <laughs> is the depiction of mental health trauma in American horror movies offensive to you because this is this to me is like egregious. It really
1: is. Look, yeah, you're not wrong. I probably shouldn't stop at just the professionalism, but I guess that's what I target just how horrendous it is. Yeah, people do messy things when their mental health is poor, but yeah, it's not like you see in these kinds of films and and the like. Well, if it is, those people never present to therapy. Let's put it that way.
0: You've had people sat in front of you who have experienced horrendous things as children, correct? Yes, 100%.
1: no specific yeah of course not that's all we're here for
0: yeah and you have to sit there and listen to it and empathize with it and walk them through that and know when to ask questions know when to listen know what kind of questions to ask know all this sort of stuff and to have somebody come along some hack screenwriter and try to do like you just were talked about some sort of like bargain basement undergrad took one psych course i like well this is all an analysis for our you know personality disorders or something like what in the hell are we doing i'd be surprised they even took one unit i reckon they
1: picked up one online article had a quick read and go that'll do because yeah
0: because because here's here's my guess right the first film is loaded with psychosexual horror it's a psychosexual horror film yep point blank right Somehow they've taken that and, and, and to, again, to Barker's credit as a first time director and first really first time true screenwriter, because he actually worked in a screenplay, not just the story understood that some of this needs to be conveyed, um, impressionistically in subtext in, yeah, in imagery. I don't have to fucking spell it out. And it's also, I'm not trying to diagnose anything or anybody. I'm just showing you sort of the deepest darkest recesses of human desire and how that connects metaphor it's like a metaphor- metaphorically open door to this hell world, hell dimension. Um, and some of it gets literalized, some of it stays metaphorical, and even the second movie carries it over even though he didn't direct it, but he was more involved in the production of. It. And it's like they they took that and 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 it's like a stupid person's version of it which is like what's something that sexual but horrific? Oh, being molested and being molested by your sweaty, dirty dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What if you just had a big fat guy and a wife beater and he was just laying on top of a little girl like, ooh. And what if like cockroaches came out of his eyeballs? And it's like, it's so beyond lowbrow. Mm-hmm. It's so juvenile in its understanding of human beings that at this point I was like, I don't know that I want to watch another one of these movies. This was the breaking point for me. Uh, and for me, this is absolutely the worst of the week. I. Hated
1: every moment and could not believe there was still four more to come. Though I, again, without spoiling too much, I knew there was a little bit of hope on the horizon at least before we would finish. So,
0: yes, <sighs> yeah. Well, I give this one a one point one out of ten. It's my number five. There's still one worse than this to me. Ooh. <laughs> which one is it? That's interesting.
1: Uh, I gave this point five <laughs> out of ten. It's the worst of the week for me. I fucking hated every every single moment of this film, and this was the one which I put me into that fever dream mode where and i had to re-watch it at, at six several passes at least three times to try to understand what was going on because i was falling
0: asleep whilst watching it <laughs> all right hellraiser Hellworld world is next up it's was filmed the exact same fucking time <laughs> the exact same fucking place as a 17 percent on rotten tomatoes by the exact same fucking director <laughs> I'm going to a real life secret hell world.
1: (laughs)
2: Welcome, Hellraiser. Invitations. Ah! But if you need anything, just scream. Ah! Ah! Ah!
0: Welcome hell wow. the film was also directed by <laughs> boda it was also written by carl v dupree who i guess is that uh subhuman piece of shit that i'm talking about as a screenwriter uh-huh. uh it's a triumph for return of is it a triumph return it is a return of lance Henriksen from hard target is a, a return from henry cavill yes that henry cavill i've seen in batman v superman dawn of justice uh, the film was released September 6, 2005. No budget, no box office. Two years after his death, a group of Hellraiser video game addicts go to a party celebrating the game that killed their friend. Forget Pumpkinhead, Lance Henriksen figures he can take matters into his own hands
1: as Doug Bradley has had all he can stand. He can't stand no more.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the final appearance of Doug Bradley's Pinhead. The tagline of this movie is Evil Goes Online, except for the fact. After the first five minutes of this movie, nothing to do with it has it. nothing to do with the video <laughs> game. And basically <laughs> it's all about, it's a haunted mansion movie where I, I don't even, I don't even, I can't even begin to understand this. And here's why this is filmed at the same time, but the same director and the same screenwriter, right? Carl V. Dupree. Yes. In one world, in one movie we watched, Nobody knows what the Cenobites are except for this extreme Romanian cult led by <laughs> the descendant of La Marchand, the original toy maker or made the original box, who's gone to the dark side and who believes that he will, he will gain the powers of, of the Cenobites and be able to control them through the power of Leviathan or whatever the fuck. And it's this weird sicko underground thing that, has only managed to come to light through an underground tape like the ring. Meanwhile, <laughs> somehow this editor gets. Meanwhile, in the same time, in the same world, but b- the same director and same screenwriter, the Cenobite lore has become so popular, it's become the plotline, the lore of a M-A- MMORPG, like World of Warcraft. <laughs> And the players of this game who are all addicted to it are called Hellraisers, And they are all competing like, um, ready player one in a global game to determine who's going to win and be selected to go to Romania to the Lamar. Now, when did a fucking French toy maker have time to become the architect of a house <laughs> in fucking Romania? That doesn't make any sense. But the Le Marchand house, where he designed this mansion, and they're going to go and they're going to party, and with all of these obsessive fans, and it's got it's it's to the point where this movie is almost like, um, well, I'll just put it like this: Sh- horror franchises go to schlock when they go to space or when they go meta, most of the time. Mm-hmm. This is the a quasi-meta Hellraiser because all the characters we meet they're fully aware of who Pinhead is. Mm-hmm. They're fully aware of the Cenobites. They're fully aware of the Lament Configuration. They're fully aware of all the lore of Leviathan. They're fully aware of everything. Everything, everything. But to them, it's all a video game or a fairy tale or some sick story that's been turned into a video game and yada, 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 yada. Until okay.
1: their friend, which is what happens in Flash, it's in the opening credits. Correct. Gets so obsessed with it. He either and they're not sure kills himself or someone kills him or whatever it is and they're all traumatized. Or
0: pinhead comes against yeah. we don't know his brother, he sets himself on
1: fire, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So his brother is you know really dark at the other friends because I don't know he somehow blames them. They have
0: not stopped. And well, then they, two well, years they have later, not stopped playing the game. Not stopped. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then somehow the yeah. the, the genius writer is Carl V Dupree and uh, from the story by Joel Sison, managed to make the brother decide to go to this mansion anyway because i knew you'd all be here what that makes
0: which is also invite only it's not even his brother is it his brother i don't know no it can't be his brother i think it's his brother he's- or or another one of the friends must be another friend can't he's be his brother to- based on how yeah, this yeah, film winds yeah. up
1: because that would make no sense that's true yeah. right right um, but that's certainly the impression i got he's like so much closer yeah. to adam who i think it was we should have something.
0: stopped him we saw that he was becoming yeah. too addicted he was getting lost in this world and we were we were so busy playing it, enjoying it, that we let this guy go down too far, and he ended up killing himself. So it's all of our fault, and none of you. I stopped playing the game. I stopped giving a shit. But none of you did. Yeah, you kept playing the game. It's as if you never even cared about his death. But now I'm here anyway, because okay. fuck all that. But now I'm now I'm here at this giant Hellraiser rave to celebrate this video game, and then I get into logistics of this, which is when our five main characters appear at this. Scooby-Doo, House of Wax, Haunted House, where Lance Henriksen, okay, Lance Henriksen (laughs) never explains to these people who he is in relationship to the game. He's just some, If a game (laughs) that is a corporately owned property is running an official contest, right? Yes. Ready Player One style, Willy Wonka style, whatever. Even Ui Bowl's House of the Dead. Sega wants you to come and have a fuck party on this island with volleyball girls, and you get to take a ship, and you go over, and you're going to be... There's no marketing for this. There's no PR team. There's no marketing team. There's nobody from the corporation, from the software company behind this game at this party. My score is dropping. How... (laughs) Are we also to, meant to believe, because the twist is that Lance Henriksen is not affiliated with the game whatsoever. No. He's the kid's dad who killed himself because he's obsessed with the game. Because I make one comment, I mean, don't is, they, in the funeral, like, where's his dad? do you know, he's over yeah. he's on business. He hasn't even shown up. This whole thing has been a concocted revenge scheme. <laughs> who are all these other people who are at this party? Well, I assume they really are the gamers.
1: But then, like you say, how did the game, who, whoever owns this game, Henriksen hack into this? And that?
0: How does Lance yeah. Henriksen hack the game to be like, you won a ticket
1: to Hellworld or whatever? That's a fantastic point. They never stay. I mean, it, it would make sense if he did own the game somehow or he was the company, but they never make that point. That's, that's never said. No.
0: He's just a guy. <laughs>
1: that's All right. I've dropped my score now. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's just a fucking guy. Okay. When we get there. Lance Henriksen takes, okay, we've seen this to some extent before in the Halloween series when they do the reality show. Yeah. It's right. Is it resurrections? They go into the, yeah. uh, Yeah. Resurrections. They go into the fucking haunted house, right? The Myers house. They have a whole announcement. We've seen this a couple of times actually. And the person goes, welcome to hell world where, you know, you'll have this party and this party and this whatever. Lance Henriksen should have delivered a speech from the fucking balcony of this mansion to all the game players down below, welcoming them to the official party yes. of Hellworld, taking them through the lore, taking them through this and that. In the basement, you'll find this. Go out, explore, do this, do that, and then you could write a scene where he then takes a whatever reason a special interest in this one particular group of kids. He, he they bump into him, and it seems almost by happenstance. And then he's like, oh, well, let me take you in a I'll take you on a personal tour myself and I'll show you around. That doesn't happen. He ignores every yeah. other fucking guest at this party. <laughs> yes, he does. And everyone just he keeps only dancing. Explains. Everybody keeps dancing all and drinking hot. and fucking and sucking. And and, and 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 taking loads and giving loads and whatever. And he only takes interest in these five people to explain to them the history of this house and all this sort of shit. It is so badly written. I was like, I've seen, a, I've seen a shitty version of this movie before, right? This is the shittiest version of this shitty version of this movie. <laughs> there's a way that, like, there's a there's a way that you write this right where and they show up, they're partying, da 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 da, and then fucking Lance Henriksen. Also, by the way, you as a director, you sell that as a reveal where the doors open, yes, yeah, yeah. and there's light that comes beaming out the balcony. And then a real actor who we fucking know shows up in the movie. You go, oh, shit, Lance Henriksen is isn't this, right? And then you could kind of make position Lance Henriksen uh, uh, the way he's dressed where he kind of looks like Pinhead a little mm-hmm. bit. I might say you put him in the S&M gear. There's a similar cut to the jacket he's wearing or this, that, or whatever. And he's like, I'm so-and-so, the creator of hell world. That's right. Welcome he, to my party. To be You've been invited. Yeah, yeah. Right. But instead, he's just some guy who rents the La Marchand mansion in Romania, even though we saw him at 20 years old get disemboweled in fucking France. When did he have time to build a house in Romania? Makes no sense. He's just some guy who rented it and then hacked a, the most popular video game in the world, sent fake invites. To anyone? To these? Well, yeah, he just hack hundreds it. Hundreds of people. He
1: rewrote it because they all had to pass some kind of That's level true. to get to, to get the information.
0: That's inspired. true. That's true. Invited them to this party, did not introduce himself to anybody at the party except for the five kids he's
1: trying to kill. Well, that part I will forgive because I just assumed he'd done that already when they walked in because he comes up to them as they walk in. The party's already in full swing. So I thought maybe they missed that. So I, I can live
0: with that part that may be true but that's not how you write that no I agree. I agree 100% it's bad it may be true but that's bad writing mm-hmm. then we get to the other twist and the twist is when he's on, get, taking them on the tour and they touch some of his shit been, or he stabs him with a pin he's got a he's also spent a fortune on fucking he's got 16 different lament configurations how many fucking puzzle boxes are there now and he's got a tarot card deck, but it's a Cenobite tarot, tarot card deck, and it's all of these props and all this history of all this Hellraiser shit. Some of it, which is just entirely made up for this movie, some nun who fucked Pinhead, da 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 da. Oh, whatever the fuck. And they, if they, they touch stuff, and the big twist is there was a, there was a very strong psychedelic drug, and some of them breathed it, some of them smoked it, some of them drank it, whatever, whatever. But it only targeted these five kids, mm-hmm. and. How he knew those five kids were going to touch and drink and fuck and suck those specific things, I don't know. But but it turns out that he then took their bodies by threw himself. the body. One by one out of the fucking party. Buried them alive. Into the fucking backyard. Bur- put them in pine boxes and buried them alive. Sick, five or six people. And he's had some throwaway line. He was like, I was so tired after burying <laughs> you. I could barely make it back in the party. And it's like... How's this one man? These are six foot depth deep graves. It's Henry fucking cavil. 36, 36, 40, 50 feet of fucking dirt. He's going to pile on top of these people. It's so ridiculous. Then goes back into the party. And everything that we've seen after a certain point is he's put walkie talkies into their graves and says he's been subliminally suggesting to them that they're being tortured by a pinhead and the easy. and their guilty consciences did the rest.
1: Yeah. And so once again, we're back in this fucking world of crazy things going on and nothing making sense and smashing on window and the police can't hear you or see you, but you're right there. I'm right here. And then someone else is in a different part of the house and everyone else disappears and someone else is Getting a blowjob. If you ever want a movie, you want to watch Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill getting yeah. a blowjob in a movie, this is the film for you, by the way.
0: And he also sings, Holy Pussy. <laughs> you
1: ever see that? You ever see Henry
0: Cavill do that? Everyone's
1: yeah. got to start somewhere. I do understand. That's right. Uh, it's, it's bizarre. And Pinhead, is Pinhead in this movie for a grand total of three minutes?
0: Are the Cenobites
1: reduced yeah, and two, to that? Two of those level? minutes.
0: Two of those minutes are hallucinations. Yeah.
1: And he only pops up literally in the last three minutes of the movie to actually kill so, the host. So let, wait, wait, wait. Let's save the ending.
0: Sorry. Okay. Oh, I've spoiled so it. This, this movie Ooh. jumps through the hoop of Hellraiser's a video game. Okay, that's a movie, right? Kids are obsessed with the Hellraiser video game. It might be a bad movie, but that's a movie. No, we jump through that hoop. It's actually going to be a haunted house movie. Where we're in the Marchand mansion and the whole thing, the whole house is like a giant lament <laughs> configuration. Okay. Now we're in a haunted house, almost like a Saw movie, kind of. Like it's a mm-hmm. haunted house. Like we're watching people put in devices and to get tortured, tortured and shit. Yep. Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, that's a movie. And you go, no, that's not real either. It, actually, the real twist is it's been a hallucination. So wait a minute. You wrote two completely new, brand new ideas for this franchise and jettisoned them jettison them and did went back to the (laughs) same fucking idea we've now sat through three other times. But I will. what the fuck is wrong with you? I will say this though,
1: because it's better edited than those previous three entries. I didn't hate my, I I thought I really was watching as you say, it's haunted house and being picked off one at a time, even though it started to get a bit crazy towards the last half an hour. I was enjoying my time. When I say much more, this is all relative scale, people. This is still not a good movie. It's still nowhere near a pass. But it's so much better than the last three films that we've seen. I was almost relieved. Almost relieved.
0: So speaking of almost relieved, Henry Cavill's getting a blow job, but the reveal is he's been in a casket the whole time under this hypnotic suggestion of Lance Henriksen via walkie-talkie. Does that mean that Lance Henriksen That's was pretending bit- via walkie-talkie <laughs> to suck off Henry Cavill?
1: There's a scene that shouldn't have made
0: it at the cutting room floor. <laughs> oh, I'm sucking you, daddy. Oh, I'm sucking you, daddy. Yeah, daddy. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> speaking of pumpkin head. Um... <laughs> what salvages this movie is is at least a different setting, and it the cast is more competent. Yeah, across the board, and yeah, they are one hundred percent. Obviously, Lance Henriksen as sort of the villain of the piece, and but even the, even some of the no name fucking kids that are just the red shirts to be killed, they're more competent actors. Well, one, one so of them better than what we Carrie played.
1: Payton from The Walking Dead, Ezekiel from The Walking Dead, in a very early role.
0: Yes, that's right. And that's right. obviously Henry Cavill. And then Catherine,
1: was it Wernick? Who's, know she's not a great actor, but she's certainly easy on the eye. And at least she lends a degree of-
0: I, I actually didn't. I didn't think she was a bad not actress. bad, though, so but she was wasn't. pretty
1: solid. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is they're all, all much better than what you would expect. Yes. And yeah, yeah so I, I absolutely did not hate my time with this one anywhere near as much. It just, I'm so soured on the series by now that it's very hard to say this is a passable film. Primarily because Pinhead is nowhere to be seen. And once again, we end up back down the well of, Oh, it was basically all a nightmarish hallucination slash dream slash limbo state once again. And that part yeah. really left a sour taste in my mouth.
0: But the kids actually, three of the kids accidentally really died. Cause he, he had an air hole and a tube in the coffin. And I guess the idea was he was just going to leave him in the coffin to die or whatever, starve to death or whatever. But, Three of them died. One died from fright. One died. the, the One dude he as says, he had asthma. Yeah, he says,
1: ah, oh, it's a pity that Henry Cavill died
0: of fright. How do you know that?
1: What, what yeah, gave that away? How does he
0: know? <laughs> and when he's like, oh, so-and-so, she, well, the one who is in the saw machine, yeah. like the saw contraption, the jigsaw contraption, she ends up ripping her own throat out out of Tear terror, off. apparently, her guilty yep, conscience. Right, sure. Yeah. How does he know that? Because he doesn't have fucking There's no cameras. Like cameras like, it's just a walkie-talkie, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But even then, even if he had a camera in there, so he,
0: he, uh, he died of fright? Like it, yeah, how does he know yeah. that? It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I give this one a 2.5 out of 10 and it is the second best Hellraiser I watched this week. Oh, really? Okay. No? Yeah. 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 I gave this
1: one a 3 out of 10. So you gave it 2.5 and it's the second best. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the third best of the week for me.
0: I can't believe this. Uh, I think I know which one you're going to go with for a second. And it better not be this next one. Of no. course, I'm talking about Hellraiser Revelations 2011 0% of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> really? Come on. <laughs> Can you get a shot of downtown LA before we before we say goodbye to it forever? Bye LA. This is going to be an epic journey. There is no better buzz than a tequila buzz. That is true. Whoa. whoa, whoa. whoa. Get fucked. Hellraiser Revelations was directed by Victor Garcia and written by Gary J. Tunicliffe. Tunicliffe would eventually put himself in as the main character of the next film. Yeah, in the film he directs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a transfer return of absolutely nothing and nobody. <laughs> it's a release date of March eighteenth, two thousand eleven, on a budget of three hundred thousand dollars. The box office is unavailable because it's straight to video. Seventy-five minute runtime. Thank God. Instead of a synopsis, I am going to give to you two quotes. One comes from friend of the show and former guest Scott Weinberg, who quote called the film quote a contractually mandated piece of intentional garbage. That exists for no other reason than pure, simple greed. This is amateur hour stuff all the way. And it'd be almost endearingly stupidly enjoyable if this witless cinematic refuse wasn't dancing on the grave of a true classic of the genre. That's Scott Weinberg. <laughs> Very nice. To finish my synopsis, I will quote Clive Barker. I have nothing to do with this fucking thing. If they claim it's from the mind of Cl- Clive Barker, It's a lie. It's not even from my butthole. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, this is the one that I alluded to at the top of the show before I give my quick synopsis, where they had six weeks, six weeks to turn it around, and they went from, shit, we need to make a Hellraiser film, to shooting it six weeks later. No, my synopsis is, arsehole young tourists get lament configured, then return from hell to visit the same upon their families.
0: There's a character named Bradley. One family is the Bradleys. One family is the Cravens. Do you get it? No. Doug oh, Bradley, Doug Bradley. Wes Craven.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's Wes Craven had died before this movie came out. you get it? Oh. It's a tribute to him. Horror movie.
1: Can, um, can we Tracy all agree?
0: Tracy is... Before, can we, before we
1: go any further, this is really important. Can we all agree? This is the worst pinhead that has ever pinheaded. I know it's the first this film. This is the worst Hellraiser movie that's ever been made. I, I just like three of the other ones more because I'll tell you why when we get there.
0: What the fuck are you talking about? It's not about? a good film.
1: I'm not defending it. I'm not hell on hell earthy. What the it.
0: fuck <laughs> are you talking about?
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It got me. One bit got me, which I liked. So uh, it's more than I liked in three of the other ones. They're all just fucking dreamscapes. What the fuck are you maybe, talking maybe, about? Maybe, Jason, it's worn me down so much by this stage, of this series.
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Tracy Faraway gives one of the all time worst Which one's she? Acting is she the mom of. Emma. No, 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 no. Oh, the, not that's the, mom. the daughter. She's the sister who f- has half ass fucks her brother. Oh, my and God. And it's never really addressed? Oh. No, the part, I think the
1: worst actor, even worse than her in this film Nico's mom. Yes. Nico's mom. Holy yeah.
0: shit. She is unbelievably bad. But she only has like three lines Thank like, Nico, why are you doing this? Emma, Ter- Tracy Faraway is like the main character is carrying this movie. Is she- um, Jay Gillespie as, as Nico is pure amateur hour. And this, pardon the pun, craven subplot of two degenerate suburbanite kids yep. Going to Mexico and killing a prostitute is in some of the poorest, most racist taste. This is a half-ass found footage movie. It's a half-ass funny games, and it's a no-ass hellraiser. When Emma is watching the video, is she also, because apparently the Mexican officials see fit to take a handy cam, a Sony fucking handy cam that has a murder on it. (laughs) and send it back to the family it's a duffel bag full of pornos and ship it from a donkey show back to fucking burbank where these fuck offs live and then the mom has just been obsessively watching her son fuck a whore fuck a prostitute a sex worker and then beat her to death and then when emma starts watching it is she also seeing the stuff that isn't actively recorded? Because it's continuously coming back away and forth between. Found footage yep. to show you all this stuff that isn't on the fucking tape. Is she seeing that as well? Because it seems like she is. The dialogue, the family melodrama, mm-hmm. what mom is fucking, what dad is ridiculous. Yep. The idea that two kids went mix- missing in fucking Mexico a year ago. And these families are getting together for a to a party, a fucking dinner. <laughs> and they've never once in a year talked ever about had a discussion about their sons <laughs> who have gone missing and are presumed dead. They're presumed dead because the Mexican government, the federales, shipped the rest of their ship back to yep. you. That means they're fucking dead. They're dead. And you've never talked about it. You're just going to get together to have wine and drinks yep. and a fucking dinner party. This girl makes out with her own brother in in his bedroom, gets felt up by him, and is only grossed out by the concept when she gets a vision of him in his skinless form. (laughs) Take everything, every ounce of praise we ever gave the the makeup effects of the skinless Frank from the first Hellraiser that was made at a million dollars in the fucking UK 30 goddamn years before this movie came out. And invert it. The skinless effects here are horrendous. This movie looks like it was filmed on sets that were made by hand. It's like, oh, it's a back alley of Mexico. It's, It's a high school musical production level set with these people being filmed in front of it. This is tasteless, as Scott Weinberg said, amateur hour fucking garbage. And I have to sit through 45 fucking minutes of this piece of shit actor who the twist is so fucking obvious. The moment he shows up on screen, it's like, Oh sister, you're so beautiful. Let me put my cock in your mouth. I immediately, I'm like, that's fucking Nico. Immediately. It's the, it's the twist of the first movie come to daddy, but it's inverted where the girl's boyfriend is actually in her brother's skin and some kind of fucking bullshit. It's so clearly him the whole time. This is some half ass funny games or shit. This kid obviously had just watched the Heath Ledger's Joker. He's doing his best goddamn Joker impression. And he's running around with a shotgun. He's acting crazy. I don't give a shit about any of it. This was interminable. I, I, I hate it. I hated it. This is anti-vault worthy. look, you could make a very, very
1: strong argument that about 75% of his whole fucking franchise is anti-vault worthy.
0: So not argue, not arguing with you there, Paul. There's a moment where the two dads run out. The one dad <laughs> the shotgun. And they're like, "Oh my God, there's something going on. There's some kind of noise out here." And what we got to do is we got to try to, you know, we're way up in the hills of this canyon, yeah. and we got to somehow. We make don't have it phone cell to the main range out here. What the? Fuck? Yeah, we don't have cell phone service because we're so far remote. So we have got to. One of us is going to have to take off and run and get to some kind of a road and go down the mountain to get to. the the town to Mayo to call 911. As they're delivering those lines, you can see the busy suburban street behind them. And <laughs> six fucking that. cars are driving past. I watched past this on my them. iPad. Six, I counted, <laughs> six fucking cars drive past directly behind them. That's in the fucking lens. You're the director. You see that. You don't call cut. You're the editor. You see that. You go, I think we need a reshoot here. They just left it in. Oh, is that? Because Damn. this movie was just shitted out. Yeah, it was. So that Dimension Films You're could retain the rights. rights. They yeah. didn't give a fuck what this result of this was. This is, this is the worst Hellraiser ever made. And this is the worst horror movie I have ever watched <gasps> in the history of Binge. Wow, games. really? Oof. Yeah, this is the worst horror movie we've watched. This is worse than One Missed Call and Pulse. And dark water and all that what, shit. What about worse than um?
1: What's the one that, that really, really ab- abysmal one? Where oh, uh, where the house oh, gets turned into t- this the, the, this uh the suckling? suckling, the suckling. Worse than the suckling. This is worse oh, than the suckling. Not for me. You mentioned the twist being really obvious. Look, maybe it is, but it did catch me out. I didn't get it till later in the film, and so I'm like. Cause you know, it's creeped out and gross. Cause you're
0: out. watching. He's half asleep. Yeah,
1: I mean, that doesn't help. <laughs> I'm sure.
0: But uh, all right, Paul, cool. that's so far beneath your Paul. I am embarrassed for you. That's fine. You, that, is you so beneath, <laughs> you, you, that is so far beneath that's so far beneath your level. You're the guy who catches on to everything. You're sitting here telling me you didn't catch on no. that, it, that that when the when the when the brother tried to fuck his sister, it was obvious. Well, that's the, the point boyfriend. where I'm like, oh my god, this is. Oh, you're the one that bitched on the last episode of Wow. You just put somebody else's skin yes. on, and it's so obvious every time it's somebody else was, and you didn't catch it this my time. My biggest
1: problem with this whole fucking franchise is the, and I think I said this in the last episode too, is that yes. when you slip skin on, it does not just magic someone else's skin on. It will not <laughs> magically fucking conform. It's not magic putty. It won't not just be perfectly. Steven and Nico, <laughs> they're not the same fucking size. One of them's fucking half a head no. taller than the other. They're, they're different body shapes, yet somehow. It, 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 and as we talked about, it gives you their vocal box as that, well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that infuriates yeah. me that this continues down this this particular line. But at least they killed everybody off. Thank God all these reprehensibly shit people all go to hell or die in the process. Even the dad just fucking blowing Nico away and then going, I didn't do it. To release you i did it you know basically for revenge i'm like but you did just release him your dickhead which way it was and even pinhead yeah shit shit fucking a Z grade pinhead who you barely see open his mouth on camera because they needed another actor to come over and do the voice voiceover they dubbed it all in because they couldn't even find someone who was competent enough to pretend to be like doug bradley at least they yeah ghost this is some way this to fix is that next one.
0: pinhead in this one fucking awful yeah. he says
1: you're an idiot. We would have tortured him for the rest of eternity and you've just blown him away. Good work, dad. And then dad dies.
0: Okay, now, now time out, time out, time out, time out. If at this point in the series, the hell, the Cenobite hell is just hell, we talked about this in the last fucking episode. The soteriology uh, and the, uh, uh, it wouldn't be soteriology. It would be, no. No. The The idea of the soul makes no sense here. If. This is hell. Legitimate Dante's Inferno, classic ideas of, of Roman Catholic hell. Mm-hmm. Okay, Killing his physical body doesn't have anything to do with right. whether or yes. not he gets tortured for eternity. But somehow it seems to be that Why does, doing that allowed
1: him to escape. That seems to be the very strong implication. To escape to where? I don't know. Well, where does he go? Not wherever
0: the... The not going to fucking heaven
1: no you wouldn't think so
0: <laughs> and his entire monologue of Nico's entire monologue of like why he doesn't want to go to hell is, isn't that he just doesn't, just doesn't want to be tortured it's because to quote him I love fucking too much <laughs> and I'm the first cock your little girl ever sucked it's like oh my god yeah it's awful how about childish infantile beyond sophomore what are you 11 years old writing this edgelord bullshit <laughs> that's all this is Zero out of ten, worst of the week, worst of the series, worst of the franchise, worst of all horror movies worst of I all time. Worst film we've ever seen. Worst horror movie that I've covered on binge
1: movies. Okay, uh, I'm giving this a one point eight out of ten. It's the fourth best of the week
0: for me. I cannot believe that one point eight. Whew. Name. What is one redeeming thing about it? Like I said, the twist. I was like, okay, that works in this
1: franchise as ridiculous as it does. And I did you said didn't, you said it was awful, it, but when they ripped off <sighs> there's a quick shot of them ripping off Steven's face, I thought that actually looked pretty good. I'm like, okay, that's a good effect. No.
0: So again on my no, iPad screen. It's digi- it's it's digital under f- I watched it on four K TV. It's just it's just shot on shittio. Shittier. pro, pro- <laughs> am digital fucking cinematography under LED lights. You and I could shoot this shit fuck off this is garbage I'm not arguing
1: all right we're in a pretty awful state when uh, 1.8 is, is considered to be a good skill
0: you're, well you're like this is the 4th best get out of here it is 4th best yeah. out of 6 movies this is your 4th best Paul what's happened to your brain I, I, like I said last time I think I broke you finally I think mm. you're done I think if you're you're cooked
1: let's <laughs> see we've got 2 more to
0: go <laughs> dear god we got 2 more let's to go let's put a fork in Paul he's fucking cooked <laughs> 2018's Hellraiser Judgment, which currently has a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: What we're investigating—it's very dark.
0: I'm just curious, what do you see?
2: You think you're too close to this case? Jesus Christ! It's him. What on earth is this place? It isn't.
0: A razor judgment was directed and written and stars Gary J. <laughs> yeah, you have the triumphant return of Heather Langenkamp, last seen in Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise. Boom was released February thirteenth, two thousand eighteen, and a budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars. It made four hundred twenty six thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't reckon they put any money into the episode. <laughs> Paul T. Taylor is no Doug Bradley, but he's so much better than oh, the last God. phony pinhead. Yes, head.
1: yes, hundred percent.
0: Now we've done it though, because now we have this character called the Auditor, who is T- Gary Tunacliff, tuna fish, <laughs> and the Auditor now fully acknowledges the existence of Jesus Christ, its God, in this hell yeah, universe. Yeah, this is
1: the big change now, right?
0: That's they've really added. World we are full build. blown into Judeo-Christian. Cosmology now, because the one guy's like Jesus Christ. He's like, oh, same neighborhood, wrong zip code. (laughs) It's like, okay, all right, all right, whatever. Um, this is if you've been listening to our slashers podcast, Paul and I have said this over there. If you if you haven't, you should please do get on it. We've had hallucinations, Paul. We've gone to space. We've been in limbo and purgatory right with this franchise yep we've had meta commentary we've had jokes at the expense of the cinebites we've done all of the cliche horror movie franchise bullshit we have finally i even shouldn't even say finally because the, the one with craig schiffer is the same fucking thing but we have circled back around police again procedural to the police procedural <laughs> Why does every cheap horror movie have to be like, you know what? This should be a very boring, half ass version of seven. Yes, good way of describing you. before seven, before okay, before seven comes out, I get it. But David Fincher took every shitty police procedural horror movie that ever came before it, and he perfected it into one all- time great film period, let alone. Great horror movie, let alone great cop horror movie in seven. Okay. Do we agree on that? We can. Very good film. The moment seven comes out, they never should have made another police procedural horror
1: film. Well, That's like saying the moment John Wick four comes out, we should never have another action film. Of course, they're going to keep making these films because it was such a success, but we are a long way removed from seven. By no the time. Razor this is
0: does not need no, to be a police procedural and it does not need to be a police procedural that is a half ass version of seven where instead of the seven deadly sins it's the ten commandments and we get the same fucking twist from the craig schiffer movie which is the serial killer is going around the adjudicator or the judger or the the prefect or prefect whatever yeah, yeah is Turns out to be you. You're the killer. But this time,
1: because we're not in his head the whole way through the film, we are bouncing around through third party, through other characters. I thought it was much better done, much better handled. As much as... This is the second time I've seen this movie. I did watch it when it first came out and I disliked it immensely. I liked it a little bit more this time around, probably because it stacked up against all these previous entries that we've just sat here talking yes, about. Yes, yes. It is definitely a step in the right direction. And I didn't... As much as we're now acknowledging as you say this judo judeo-christian idea of god and angels and all that coming into the world i thought oh well that's interesting enough i can go with that if this is the direction the franchise has to go in from here and i thought it was a unique way of doing it because i the big part of the twist that works for me in this film is he gets captured he gets put through the same call it whatever you will process inquisition judgment i guess given the name of the film Yeah, and. Right. At the end of it, like, the, the dude who vomits up the shit. By the way, it's really gross stuff in this movie. Well done. It did make me kind of ugh, cringe, so. Extraordinarily disgusting. So, nice. well played. And again, points for that. You think when the angel pokes ahead and says, let him go. The big fella basically's got plans for him. Oh, it's because he's too good a guy, and he's and he's close to hunting down the preceptor.
0: Well, he's innocent. Yes, he's innocent, and it, you know he has he's done these bad things, but he's a war veteran, yep. and so he's actually innocent. Here we overall. are again, and his and his handsome brother, who's fucking his wife, is going to end up being the killer. Is what you think? Mm-hmm. I thought well
1: done. Okay, good, but the- good, just good stuff, Phil. But no, actually, we let him go because his reign of terror is going to drive more and more sinners back towards God so that they can repent
0: and redeem. Yeah, themselves. He's going to be so terrifying yeah. as the serial killer that people are going to repent of their sins and come back to God. I thought that was really good. Which then makes the Judeo Christian God, just another level of Cenobite basically,
1: which is also very interesting. So God is not also great and good and the like. <clears throat> and so these concepts are there, but it's tacked onto a $350,000 budget and it's, dark and grimy yes. and looks terrible and it's shot terribly. Gary J. Tunnicliffe may have some interesting ideas as a writer, but God damn, he's Horrible not a director. Well,
0: no, yeah. And the, 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 level of actors they have in this. And if the, the thing is, okay, I am not bothered by the ending twist and the, whatever. Like, I don't like, I, again, I will beat this dead horse repeatedly, I am more of a fan of the idea of it being cosmic horror than actual literal hell and Judeo-Christian body, blah, blah. blah. But we've already gone to this direction by the third fucking movie. So let's just keep on going (laughs) down the direction like this. Um, What bothers me about this, this movie in particular is because they don't have the budget to, to fully execute the ideas. You get this beginning section with the auditor, which his performance as the auditor is actually pretty interesting. Mm. I don't mind the auditor character and the weird, like I type up your sins on a typewriter and then I feed it to this fat guy who eats it and, and vomits the, it up whatever, down the tubes and then and the pukes it up. And then of, titless women yep. eat it out of, or not titless women, t- topless women, t- sits out women. faceless. Yep. Yeah. They eat the slop out of a trough and then that Proclaims <laughs> it It's a, it's a Rube Goldberg machine of, judgment of sin but okay whatever at least it's visually interesting it's something different and then pinhead is sitting on a throne in hell somewhere waiting for the final verdict or whatever that's where it lost me interesting you
1: put pinhead aside just being as an overseer who's kind of like a manager who's faceless and well formless that he only appears and only speaks to the adjudicator whatever his name is the assessor yes and he now instead the assessor is the auditor sorry is the main if you will, Cenobite of the piece. And I think that's a big misstep. And that's clearly egotism on Gary J. Turnercliffe's part.
0: Well, I think it's a little bit of egotism. I think it's also a little bit of, we don't have Doug Bradley. So we'll hide him. We are contractually obligated to have Pinhead in the movie. Otherwise we lose probably the rights to Pinhead. Right. Right. So for it to be a Hellraiser movie, we got to put all the Hellraiser shit in it. But we don't, we, we, we don't have Doug Bradley. So we have to, we have to nerf him. We have to marginalize Maybe you're right. him.
1: Maybe I should give him the benefit of the doubt.
0: I, I, so I think that's more of a limitation of contracts than it is ego. If that makes any sense? Um, then again, the obvious answer is and just don't fucking make the movie. But then they'd lose the rights and blah blah blah. blah. we discussed that. And at this point, it had been so long where there was the threat that Clive Barker was going to get the rights back, and he was one. At this point, he wanted the rights back, and I think there was even lawsuits where he's fighting to get his rights back to to. Stop these movies from being. Two them. or three years before this, so, you wrote
1: whatever that book was with Harry Demore and and Pinheads in it, Scarlet, Scarlet Gospel, which yeah. is a frustratingly
0: yeah. shit book. But that's a different discussion. Yeah. Um. I. It, my final verdict of this movie is it wouldn't be so bad. If it was just its own thing, take pinhead it was like out a of straight it. to streaming. Yeah, if it was just a Shutter, if it was a movie I saw in Shutter, the police procedural stuff would still be really fucking boring mm-hmm. and bad and played out. But the other stuff around it would be interesting and different and creative and fresh enough. I think I'd be okay with it. The problem is the budget limitation. Yes. It's it's just so much. It's so much fucking easier. To sh- to get one set and say this is a police station, and shoot three people sitting at desks, looking at evidence, you know, it's like that. <laughs> it, that's that's why all these cheapo movies end up being cop movies
1: because they're they're cheap. And you know it's cheap as well because when they go to crime scenes, the preceptor is you know elaborately staged, a la the killer from Seven. We don't ever see yeah. a death. It's all the aftermath and just a body lying there with a little Correct. bit of cheap makeup Correct. applied to it, which is. Yeah. Very disappointing in a if you're in a horror movie trying to see some good kills and and we did discuss whether we should do the best death, but by this stage there's so few deaths in these films, they're they're so fucking lame, basically, and they do occur.
0: Yeah, if this was just if this was a screener sent to me by Shudder and I said, Hey, go ahead and take a look at this, I'd be like, ah, it's a passable C list direct-to-streaming horror movie, basically. You know, it's got some interesting ideas, some okay performances uh not from any of the people <laughs> not from the three leads of but whatever so i give it a 1.5 out of 10 <laughs> so harsh no, no. so harsh <laughs> number 3 it's my number 3 because again it's like well you know it's a cop movie it's a boring cop movie and the main cop turns out to be a real piece of shit so much so that he's a bible obsessed serial killer
1: yeah clearly uh, that's, that's really rough. I think for this film, I'm, I'm giving this a four out of ten. It is my second best film of the week. <laughs> no,
0: uh, <laughs> it's time to move we on. We just talked about how it's okay. One and
1: a half. Jesus, hard task, brother. We- it's broken me. I think we may have broken Jason. This particular franchise.
0: <laughs> that only leaves one thing left. To, to us. move on to what? A- <laughs> it's time to move on to the very obvious best of all of these. Second half late stage Hellraiser things, the Hellraiser reboot, which came out in 2022 has a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: What's your deal? It has six sides, six configurations. It opens up and it cuts you. And then they come to collect.
0: Swim was directed by David Bruckner, is written by Ben Collins, Luke Petrosky, and David S. Goyer. Jeez, he pops up everywhere. David S. Goyer's got his fucking fingers in everything. Yeah. Swim was released October 7th, 2022. We do not know its budget, and it didn't have a box office because it went straight to Hulu. Uh, I wrote no synopsis for this because we're 11. We're 10, this is our 11th movie. You know what it is at this point. Uh, I did. Go ahead, Paul. Hell is reduced to being an account. Oh, wrong one. Fuck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The part you didn't like about the film. Would it be Riley, Jason? Or her story?
0: Oh, my God. So many of these remakes, 2010s, 2020s remakes of these horror movies are identical. In style and in story. Female lead is a drug addict who has a traumatic past. And then goes through some kind of recapitulation of the thing you've already seen from the first usually usually they don't just take the first movie. They usually take a bunch of the ideas from like the first three or four movies, the good quote unquote good ones. And they just all chuck it in there. And I don't know if it was like <clears throat> People saw the 2013 Evil Dead and were like, that's a pretty good remake, so Mm -hmm. that's now the template. Mm -hmm. But the idea of drug abuse and getting clean and going to be detoxed and the relationship between that and possession makes a lot of sense. The result in this movie is she's a drug addict, she's an alcoholic, she's a substance abuser. So even though the Cenobites are real, the lament configuration is back and all this sort of shit. The first half of the movie is still, is she hallucinating? Is this the drugs? Is this in her mind? Who's going to believe her? I'm like, oh my God, I've sat through 10 of these shits. <laughs> and by the fifth one, this is all they've got. This is all they've got. And even when we get to the remake, it's all they've got is like, well, it's really a metaphor for her trauma. And on top of that, it might all be in her head. Oh, my
1: God. It's funny. I never got that. I never assumed it was in her head at any point in time. I mean, it was the reason why people. You're supposed to. The reason why people didn't believe her and why characters were all, like dismissive of her and her concerns. But that's tired. It is tired. And here's yeah, why. Yeah,
0: sure. Because we've already seen fucking Hellraiser. Yep. So we know the Cenobites are real. Yep. We know the Lament configuration is real. This is my problem with sequels and remakes and reboots. When you turn, no, again, no pun intended here. When you turn your movie into a fucking mystery box and the mystery has already been solved by nine fucking, 10 fucking movies that came before it. It's a boring ass mystery for the audience. There's nobody in the world who thinks, well, maybe the Cenobites aren't real. We know the Cenobites are real. We know Pinhead is real. Pinhead, this, this, the new Pinhead is the fucking face of the cover of this goddamn movie. We know it's not going to be in her head. So to have characters not really believe her because she might be a dragon and go through all of this rigmarole and she doesn't know and she, and, and again, she wakes up. And was that a hallucination? Or was that a spiritual experience? This, that, whatever. Is my brother really dead or did he just go missing? Oh, I know that he's dead. I know that he's in hell. I know that it's this it's, it is the worst part of this movie because it's a waste sure. of fucking time because eventually the box is going to open and fucking Pinhead's going to appear and people are going to get ripped apart. So everything up to that is a waste of time. It fucking sucks. The only time this movie is any good is when we finally... And oh, these remakes are so convinced that the dark, like the, the most recent evil dead, if it's so dark, you can't see shit and it's always raining. And, 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 and we just have a bunch of digital fucking blood everywhere. That's enough. That's a horror movie. Now that's scary. If it just grosses you out or people pissing shit and coming and farting and whatever else. Oh, that's scary. That's horrific. It's this. it's just, Oh, once a- we get to the actual plot in the fucking mansion where the mansion is the lament configuration and the fucking kooky, occult millionaire, Built it as a prison for the Cenobites and Leviathan shows up and actual fucking plot happens. That gets interesting. The idea of, um, the lament configuration being one of several configurations is interesting. Right. Thank you. Yes. The idea of the idea that there are sacrifices that is rather than what made the first Hellraiser kind of terrifying is if you just open the box, if you figure the puzzle box out fucking chains and hooks shoot the fuck out of it. And within a split second, hell is at your doorstep in the room with you. They realize, well, that's been done. So what if we made it a process where this box demands blood and blood is the key. The blood is the key, and each blood sacrifice changes the configuration. And when it when it's reached, it's when it's become full of sacrifice, then the box opens. And that allows the movie to be paced differently. That is a creative, interesting, imaginative idea. I loved that change. I like that idea. I love this. I love the yes. expansion
1: of the law here in that direction. That so that each of these configurations of the lament configuration, which one of which levels or is the lament configuration, I really love that. Yes, that, that concept, and I love that fact that yes, that it it tries to cut you. Like, you play with the box enough, it's going to yes. cut you. You're going to be dragged into these proceedings. I thought that was all very cool as well. And that yes. then they add the extra layer of, well, if if the box cuts one of the centibites, that's still fair game. I thought that was really cool yes. as well. So I, I was yes. down with all that stuff. I didn't mind the first part as much as you clearly did because it did establish the characters and it gave them a chance to bounce off each other. And yes, the, the Riley thing's They're tied. not characters. Oh, for the purpose of this film, they are. They're, they're enough. The, the, the brother, who's a good guy, and so, of course, he dies very early on. Then the boyfriend of the brother. and the, I mean, the housemate's nothing. She's, she's a nothing character and, of course, gets dispatched. Yeah. The, the, it's a twist. It's a very minor twist. The character turn of Trevor being a piece of shit who was employee of, of Voight the whole way along. And which is very obvious. Yeah, yeah. And and that was but I liked it. I liked the fact that, oh, you know, she realizes you wanted me to fucking be cut by this and be taken by it. And you were saying you fuck she didn't say yeah. this, but you were saying you loved me, you piece of shit. And I love the fact she turns around yeah. and, and basically stabs it into him and then he's the, the last to be taken. All of that stuff I liked. I liked um Voigt and his search to be or he's kind of like the Frank of this film. And he's willing to throw people and sacrifice them so he can reach this level. We get to see it at the very end. He becomes the the newest centibite. The
0: contraption contraption in his chest is really fucking disturbing.
1: The nerve. Awesome and awful. Yeah. Yeah, It's dragging his nerves through it. What? Yeah. Yeah. And again, as you said, and said it very, very well to Cenobites, this is the ultimate experience. We are, we are travelers beyond the levels of sensory overload you have now. we, yeah. Yeah. And that can, the, the horror of that, that the, Agony of that which this thing comes on randomly at whatever times, however long it is between, is is beautifully done, and what a great concept! I thought most importantly, and what I like most about this movie is the Cenobites are creepy again. The Cenobites are well done again; they've spared agreed no expense <clears throat> into turning them into memorable, nasty-looking things that are the stuff of nightmares. So yeah, the chatter is back, but he's had a makeover looks so much better. Pinhead themselves is, I love the way the pins glowed when it worked, when they walked into certain light it was beautiful yeah. to behold. And then the, the, they brought back, I think it's from number four, the sort of Angelique one where it's, the top of the head is is ripped open and down to the yes. shoulders. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All that looked great. I thought all the Cenobites were
0: fantastic. I think, and then again, this one they call the, uh, this one that they call it Gasp. Yes. Is the name that's been given. Yeah. So I dug all of that stuff. Um, I thought some when, of the
1: kills were, were were inventive and enjoyable in a sense of when, gore. So when
0: the pin comes out and they stick the pin through that girl's vocal, yeah, yeah that's shot. the shot. Screaming and you hear the vocal. Yep. Yeah. But more so the shot, the sound. Mm of her vocal cords getting fucked up as she's screaming, that's very disturbing You'll have shit.
1: all the time. You've got all of a turn. You just yeah, scream. Stream. A good, great stream, line, yeah. great delivery, nice processing like, of the voice.
0: Like what? She's like, because she starts praying, she's like, uh, how, Pinhead's like, they're like, what are you praying for? And like like relief or whatever it was. And you're like, oh, you think heaven is joy, this is joy or whatever. And it's like, yeah, really fucked up. Yeah. So I think it really plays um, it. And also, so- can I say, David Bruckner
1: by comparison to what we've seen through all of the films going all the yeah, way back to Clyde yes, Barker, yes. he's a real director. You know, he's got real – Yes, he can yeah. p- construct a shot in a way that is, is great. It, you're right, it is too dark in some of those places at certain points in the film. I 100% do agree with that. But otherwise, the production design of the house and the, the metal cage around it, which is the trap for the Cenobites and it's going to summon Leviathan down yeah. – I loved all of that stuff, and I loved some of the that shot where Leviathan is dropping down. The wide shot of the house, and Christopher Young's well, and score the, the way that the swells up
0: the well, oh. the way the yeah the way the lightning is moving not down but it's moving like horizontally. Very cool. It's very strange looking yep. in the clouds. Yeah, and it's like oh something unusual is happening. Like like. Something not of this world is happening. It's a very subtle visual clue that like the natural order's been upset. Yeah. And the fact that they save the Christopher Young score until the very yes. end, and then it fucking swells. Beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's very that's very masterfully done, which is like that's the part of the movie that I think works the best. It's once they get to the mansion. Um, which they must have been inspired by Hellraiser Hellworld, I guess, for that. But uh <laughs> Um, I so the original description of the Hell Priest, who we come to know as um Pinhead is that I don't know if this is true of all of the Cenobites, but it's definitely true of the hell priest was that they were originally androgynous. They were mm-hmm. genderless. They had no discernible gender. Um, So I think it's a very clever idea of casting a trans woman in that role. Yep. Cause the, we'll say whatever you want. Doug Bradley has a very like baritone. He's very masculine. masculine. Yeah. Pinhead is a dude. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? pinhead like the movie pinhead doug bradley who is still the best pinhead obviously yeah, the best no, hell priest yes. but is um it's a masculine presence. box you opened it yeah we, opened came. It. we came yeah this though where in the modulation they put on the voice yep. yeah where it's masculine and feminine because it's a trans woman and so there's obviously still that maleness to the voice but it is feminized mm-hmm. And then the weird reverb and everything. It's just it's sort of like, it's it's just a uh, more androgynous. And the fact that I don't know if you've ever seen Jamie Clayton and what she looks like outside of the pinhead man. I'm not sure that their pronouns. Um, so I'm sorry if I was mis
1: mispronouncing before. doing they in there?
0: I think she is a. I think Jamie Clayton is she. She. I probably.
1: apologize. So yeah, I saw her in Sense Eight, the Wachowski's um, series.
0: Gorgeous. Yeah. Very very. Attractive. I don't know. She's- I don't know if in I don't know if in Sense Eight that. I've never seen Sunset, but I've seen real life photos of them, you know, out and about or whatever. Fucking gorgeous. The idea that you take this gorgeous person, because they say what everyone about Doug Bradley, not a handsome man, not a handsome guy, not, weird looking dude. Not traditionally. But you take this kind of a smoke show and then you make them this grotesque. And because people talked about the, the, um, The We talked about the first episode, the direction from Clive Barker when they were making the original Cenobites, when he was trying to describe it was, it is grotesque glamour. That's what they look like. Mm -hmm. And I think in a certain sense, the Jamie Clayton pinhead captures that a little bit more. I feel like the original Cenobites are in a way more grotesque. But in, but there's a weird, more there's like a, a an odd glamour to these ones. Um, I don't know if it's because of the way the not skin is peeled. Not a word I would use glamour. <laughs> they're 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 shapelier because they're they're not wearing the S and M gear. The their Cossacks, their outfits are carvings that are in their flesh mm-hmm. in their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're not so they're very they're much more. Life. I don't even really say nude, but they're, yeah, it's, they're much more. Uh, it's like the, the figures of the the shapes of the Cenobites are much more noticeable. Um, and so there's like this, you know, the skin, and some people have complained about because they think it looks too plasticky, but there's like a, uh, um, the skin, there's like a, a sheen to them almost, you know, that's almost like shark skin in a weird way, mm. like doll skin. Very so the the look here is very distinct and very well done and there is a sort of horrific beauty to them in a way that I don't think you could and especially with Pinhead the Hell Priest because you couldn't get that with Doug Bradley because he's kind of a weird looking dude Mm -hmm. weird looking British dude and here is you know Jamie Clayton who is a very attractive um, trans woman who's put in this sexually androgynous role and it just it it it's not better than doug bradley but it works differently than doug bradley i think it works really well and yeah I, I you know
1: if we're, if yeah, we're ranking our pinheads and we're not obviously doug bradley's gonna win
0: well this is obviously the second best
1: but yeah, yeah jamie clayton is a million miles ahead of the other two that we've seen in the latter films yeah. thus far
0: yeah and i think you know by default you know, this is this is uh this is up there as far as one of the best Hellraisers ever made. I yes. in totality, on its own, if you just showed me this movie, I don't think it's that great. I don't like the Riley character. I think major portraits of it are boring. I think it's obviously not a mystery, so forth and so on. But when we're looking at the franchise as a whole, it's fine. It's it's a solid reimagining. I think it is beleaguered by all of the tropes of the 2010s. Horror remakes where it's so fucking dark and it's just, it's just whatever. But so I give this one a 5.75 out of 10. It's my number one for this week. I'll let you know how it ranks the whole series here.
1: At oh, gee I didn't do that. So I better uh, do some quick math while we uh, take a short break. No, better figure it out. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed this one. And I guess it is probably largely because it's coming through the hell. I use that word quite deliberately of all the previous entries on this side of the divide for part two of our spooktacular. I was so relieved to come to a good-looking film, which the first time around, it is too long. It could have 10 minutes shaved off the first half, no problem at all, and be a better film for it, probably even 15 minutes if they edited it really well. Take that out of the equation. I don't think you're meant to like Riley. Do I like it by the end? A little bit more. That, she could have been softened as a no. character and that would have been better. But otherwise, I really enjoyed this entry and it's absolutely one of the best Films in this franchise, I'm giving it a six point eight out of ten.
0: I I think with the Riley, and all this, I think there's a lot of the same stuff I hate from the sequels. It's in this movie where it's another despicable low life character who's the protagonist, following a mystery that isn't a mystery, just end up getting a pinhead at the end. So uh, I don't really it 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 has some of the best elements of the early films, but still has the bad tropes from the sequels. So it's time for a recap. <laughs> Coming in dead last for this week is Hellraiser Revelations. Zero out of ten. Nominated for the Anti-Vault by me. Uh, Hellraiser Debtor is my number five. We came in 2005. I give it a 1.1 out of ten. Hellraiser Hellseeker uh, 2002. I give it a 1.5 out of ten. Uh, coming in number three is Hellraiser Judgment 2018. I give it a 1.75 out of ten. Number two is Hellraiser Hellworld Came out in 2005. I give it a 2.5. And coming in as number one is the 2022 remake Hellraiser. I give it a 5.75 out of 10. And for me, slightly different order. Same
1: end result. My worst of the week, Hellraiser Deader, 0. 0.5 out of 10. Hellraiser Hellseeker, 1.5 out of 10 is my fifth film of the best. Film of the week, my fourth best film of the week, Hellraiser Revelations, 1.8 out of 10. So So much higher than Jason, it's frightening. Three, Hellraiser Hellworld, 3 out of 10. My number two, Hellraiser Judgment, 4 out of 10. And then, with a bullet, Hellraiser 2022 version is my number one film of the week and my nomination for the guest list on this season of Binge Movies with a 6.8 out of 10.
0: It's time for a series recap. Get to work, Paul. All right. Coming in dead last for me out of the entire series is Hellraiser Revelations 0... all the fucking way uh coming in at how is it was number 11 coming at number 10 is hellraiser deader which i give a 1.10 out of 10 coming in at i guess it would be well let me let me actually let me start this up okay. yeah you work it it's out it's time for a series recap coming in dead last for me out of the entire series is hellraiser revelations zero all the fucking way Coming at number 10 is Hellraiser Deader, Coming in at number 9 is Hellraiser Hellseeker. Coming in at number 8 is Hellraiser Inferno. Coming in at number 7 is Hellraiser Hellworld. Coming in at number 6 is Hellraiser Hell on Earth. Coming in at number. Wait, wait, I think I fucked this up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me count. I told you we broke it, Jason. Two, three, one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. I'm missing one. What the fuck am I missing? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm missing one. Debtor, Hellseeker. Oh, I'm missing. No. Revelation. I'm missing judgment. I'm missing judgment. Missing Hellraiser Judgment. Let me go back up here. right it's (laughs) it's time for a series recap. This is not the fifth time we've tried to record this. Um Coming in at number eleven for me is Hellraiser Revelations. Coming in at number ten is Hellraiser Deader. Coming in at number nine is Hellraiser Judgment. Coming in at number eight is Hellraiser Hellseeker. Coming in at number seven is Hellraiser Inferno. Coming in at number six is Hellraiser Hellworld. Coming in at number five is Hellraiser Three Hell on Earth. Coming in at number four is Hellraiser Four Bloodline. Coming at number three is the 2022 Hellraiser remake. Coming in at number two is Hellbound Hellraiser 2. And coming in at number one by a long ass country mile, <laughs> the distance between this and every other movie in the list is the equivalent distance between me and Paul from Akron to Perth <laughs> Hellraiser 1987 is the best Hellraiser movie ever made the rest burn in hell.
1: Right, well, by contrast, and there is some significant contrast here, my worst of the entire series Hellraiser Dead. I'm not going to give the score, it is just so bad, it's ridiculous. My second worst, number 10, Hellraiser Hellseeker, 9, Hellraiser Revelation, 8, Hellraiser Inferno, 7, Hellraiser Hellworld, 6, best film in this franchise, still failing with a 4 out of 10, Hellraiser Judgment which is exactly the same score that I gave Hellraiser Bloodlines, which is a slightly better film, my fifth best of the week. Number four, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, with a 6 out of 10. Number three, Hellraiser 2022, with a 6.8 out of 10. My second best film of the week, of the month, of the, of the year, of the spooktacular <laughs> Hellraiser, the original, 7 out of 10. And I'm sticking by it. Unreal. I don't care. My favorite film in this franchise, Hellraiser 3, colon, Hell on Earth, 7.2 out of 10. <music> Sticking fat.
0: That's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Paul? It's been, it's been a week. It's been a fortnight, Jason. It's been a year. Holy uh, shit.
0: It's been a fortnight. It's, <laughs> it's been a fortnight. Whew. <laughs> Um, As this episode comes out, Slashers will be culminating its first limited series, uh, its first run. So go ahead and check that out in all of your favorite uh, podcast apps. I'll put the link below on these show notes. Um, If we get enough reviews, if we get enough downloads, we need reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We might come back. I'm saying we need... We need like 100 reviews. Oh, Jesus. Straight out the gate. Well, it was nice having fun doing the Slashes podcast. (laughs) Um, We need to hit the charts and hit them hard um, for us to be able to make the time to green light a second season. That's it. So so if you enjoy what we're doing over there, let us know and go support us over there. And if not, we just won't ever do it again. It's that simple. One-off seven-episode
1: series. Thanks for coming. Get out of here, you mugs! We hate your shit. No. Yeah.
0: Yep, but the good news is Paul will be back. Paul will return to binge movies. Spooktacular number talk five. About, no, to talk about the Lady Vanishes, the Four Hundred oh, Blows, God. Seven Samurai, The Grand Illusion, Armored. Cord. You got to find something else. Thirty-five, fifty-four,
1: thirty-eight, seventy-four, fifty-nine. Nah, can't do it. I would. I would almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost rather watch these six Hellraiser films again. <laughs> Would you
0: watch all eleven Hellraisers before you'd watch the four hundred blows? No,
1: I'd watch the four hundred blows before watching eleven films. But five new French for, New Wave films, I might watch the whole eleven for Hellraiser.
0: Four, four seven samurai is not French New Wave. Okay, that's a good it's film. Kurosawa, my, but friend. it's fucking long. You for four years, going on five years now, have been complaining at the very top of this episode. Yeah, I did. You've been. Can I not choose the kind of genre? Why don't I ever get to watch good movies? Why don't I ever get to watch My good movies? Good and movies. I'm offering you the first, listen, the first five entries into the Criterion Collection ever. Could we not? Those are the first take five. The best five the Grand entries? Grand Illusion, Seven Samurai, Lady Vanishes, Armored Court, Foreigner Blows. First <sighs> five Criterion Collection films ever. Two of them. And, and you're not going to do it. Yeah, I
1: think you can find something else for me. You should give it to a real film critic who enjoys that shit. What about, what about this, Jason? What about, can I pitch yeah. some ideas to you off air about what we could do it somewhere down the line? And meanwhile, you can pitch ideas to me about not movies that you want to come on The Countdown and do before the end of the year.
0: No. Oh, come on. Am I a film podcaster or a film centibite? To me. <laughs> angels yeah. to some demon to me <laughs> <laughs> very good very good all right paul you can find the countdown at the countdown pc on twitter you can find them on patreon patreon.com slash the countdown Thank you.
1: podcast yeah the, no, the countdown pc i think countdown. i don't know the countdown okay. podcast.com all our, our links there go there
0: yeah, all their links are there. Find their Facebook listener community. You can vote on all their sort of stuff. You give them a rating, a review, all that great shit. Let's do. Uh, Paul, there is an Instagram. Paul doesn't upload to it. There is a YouTube. Paul doesn't upload to it. <laughs> That's um, true. I don't. To support the countdown. I, I do occasionally <laughs> put a
1: post up on a screen that we're going to on Instagram. But yeah, it's just one one thing too yeah. many. Although that said, now that Twitter has become X, maybe it's just time to shift everything over to Instagram. You continue to confound and make the rest of us film podcasters look silly by comparison with your in-depth analysis and the wonderful guests that you have on present company most definitely excluded. But I do very much enjoy getting to sit here and and rip apart a film franchise that's horror-based. I'm sure your listeners will pick something appropriate for the fifth spectacular, spooktacular, or whatever we're calling it these days. So thank you again, sir, for having me. It's
0: been the same thing (laughs) for years spooktacular good that one excellent looking forward you've to be, it you've gotten, too comf- you've gotten too comfortable around here you used to be a pro's pro Oh, now
1: what he's no, you say? no Hellraiser not Hellraiser <laughs> Halloween Halloween <laughs> broke me remember I couldn't get all my scores it right.
0: really did man so, I really have fucked your head yeah.
1: it's crazy and then, and then plus the slashes yeah. I watched uh, this week holy shit Whew, that one 1982 episode one uh, part one part one of
0: that good run it's a good run of movies I like it until next time, Bin John. I
2: love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to stay. It's Prank Week at Glazier College. And the frank boys are out for blood. You won't get away with those foolish pranks this year. But what these party animals don't realize. I now command you to appear. is they've got three new pledges from hell. Oh, oh, hey. Hey. Let's take it to a round, schmucks. Sure. Yeah. Wait. Now, the ghoulies are about to learn what higher education is all about. Bruskis I'll just take one. Babes. Uh-oh. So, watch your major. A party and partying hardy. They drink our brews. This is war. Look, there's been a murder on campus. Sorry, operator. Frankly, they may flunk out on manners, (laughs) but they get an A in mayhem. Ghoulies three. Rulies go to college. They put the animal back in the house.